welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk. And by another episode, I mean the hundredth episode of Marvel News Desk. Yeah. Oh my gosh. To keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. <laughs> our panel today is our usual crew, a hundred episodes older. It's Adam and Rhiannon. How are you doing, guys? Peachy, amazing. Hi. So we're all doing this episode drunk, right? Oh, I'm so... No. Oh, is that the rule? <laughs> oh, we forgot Shut the Zima. Oh, Nobody I... got the Zima. Oh, we forgot the Zima. Man, 200. 200. We'll do Zima. 200. Yeah, if it's still around. Because um, we're still not sure if they actually sell that stuff, right? Do we think they uh, do? I've looked at, I went so far as to look it up and that they do sell it. Yeah, I just can't get it at the convenience store across the street. So, you know, it'd be much easier to, like, have some champagne. If we're ever podcasting live and they renew Daredevil, I will pop some champagne live on podcast. You would have a bottle of champagne just ready for the occasion. I She does. I can attest to I was about to say, I just keep champagne in my fridge. I mean, not champagne. Bubbly, Prosecco, something with fizz. In my fridge at all yeah. times. <laughs> if you're watching this right now before the podcast comes out, that means you're a patron at Patreon. And we really appreciate you guys. As you maybe have seen from our Twitter, we've had lots of little drops this week. So kind of our approach for the 100th week is we've been dropping the elements of this episode uh, to our patrons throughout the week. And then we're combining it here into this big mass show. Uh, this will be a long episode. We've got lots of fun things. If you want to be part of all that, you can subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, well, you can uh, be a patron at patreon.com slash Marvel News Desk. Uh, and just a buck will get you access to a bunch of the stuff, including the holiday annual episode we just finished a couple weeks ago. Uh, also, we want to encourage you to subscribe to us on YouTube at uh, watchmarvelnewsdesk.com, watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. And um, yeah, that would be awesome. There's a yes. new supercut coming. I was about to say this Patreons, week. by the time you hear this on the podcast, it'll be available to you, I think. I think it's going to drop Friday for Patreon, maybe. Next Friday. Next Friday. Oh, next Friday, the 18th. Yeah, because we're going to drop it for Patreons the same day as Punisher. Gotcha. So look for that, and you'll get a few days early. The rest of you, well, we're still going to get it to you. We just, you know, we help our patrons get stuff a little early. So it'll still make it to the YouTube channel. Keep your eyes open. It'll hit sometime here before the end of January. Uh, and can we announce it? Or I think Charles is still keeping it secret, isn't he? I think it's still a secret. But he might announce it on this podcast because we're going to have Charles on this podcast. Yeah. So if you want to know what are we doing for the 100th, We've got so much. We've got Charles Murphy, the scooper, doing a little interview. Charles Villanueva is going to do a little talk to us about his supercuts. Um, what else do we got? We couldn't get the third Charles. I really wanted the third Charles for the episode to be Charlie Cox. He wouldn't answer my calls. And Adam, you you lined something special up for us, right? <gasps> yeah, our, our guys coming back. Emmy Walker will be back later on this episode for a a little bit of a where are they now type segment maybe a a retrospective of sorts but before we do any of that we're going to go ahead and we're going to do a little bit of news because we've got some news this week so here we go uh captain marvel trailer another one dropped during the uh for all of those who are willing to suffer through imagine dragons and little wayne looking like a complete weirdo uh you got to see the captain marvel trailer so uh, before we talk any about it, did you guys feel you got much out of this trailer to make you change yes. your mind at all about this movie? Yes. Yes and yes. Yes. I, I liked this trailer. I'm mm-hmm. I'm on the band. I, I'm course, I guess you would say, of fans saying this should have been the first trailer. 
yeah, I'm still shocked that we haven't gotten any like '90s throwback music. Like, it's hey, still just one. generic trailer. Did we? Was that like just kind generic of rock, or was that something? No, on the, it was the uh, Elastica. So kind of sort. They used very very small sample. Apparently, the song was actually big and like huge in '96. I had never heard of it before the trailer. It was there. Connection by also Elastica. You were probably also in fourth grade in 1996, right, Adam? No way, man. I was in preschool. I was only four <laughs> years old. Oh, my God. Y'all such babies. Uh, but, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a good trailer. I don't think it gave us too much more. I think it did show us a little bit of that Nick Fury, Carol, like, buddy cop vibe that they're going for, uh, which I thought was interesting to see some some more of. So Yeah, it gave me a little bit more of a feel of who this character actually is. Like... Those first trailers, it was, the, oh, I'm some poor girl that can't remember what happened to me. Um, yeah, with some, like, punching and flying. This one gave me a little bit more feeling of her character. And maybe a little bit more plot feels. Like, I don't expect there to be any major plot developments actually spoiled in a Marvel trailer. But it gave me a little bit more feel of what the tone of the movie will be. Speaking of spoilers we do have set visits that happen this week oh, man and people are just putting it in the headlines if you really don't want to know anything go away but I, I think that you're probably going to see this online pretty easily if you're paying any attention to the twitter blogosphere um there was some weird stuff uh let me ask it this way adam do you think samuel l jackson actually had clearance to say everything that he said this week so th that is i mean he wasn't even though only person that was saying that stuff. I mean, there was an executive producer that was saying stuff that I was like, what? You know, I mean, was Kevin not on set? So they thought they kind of had some leeway or something, but I saw several things. I was very, very surprised that they let slip out ahead of time. But obviously Sam's was by and large, the biggest oops, the slip, the leak, if you can call it that. Do do you think he's right? I mean, we're giving people plenty of warning here. If you don't want to hear this, go away. But, I mean, basically what he said is that one of Carol's powers, which is not a power in the comics, is that she can time travel. Right. I mean, do you think he's even right? Or do you think it's just Samuel L. Jackson? Like, I don't so, know. Has he seen an Endgame like, script yet? <laughs> I am not sure if he's right, but it makes an awful lot of sense. I almost kind of hope he's right. I mean, it, it adds that what they need to end game, you know, it makes perfect sense that she would be able to travel through time somehow. And there's some stuff going around um, that kind of hints at how she would be able to kind of do that stuff. Um, but again, that's just kind of 4chan Reddit stuff. So take that yeah. with a grain of salt. Cause I was going to say like the hype for this movie and everything. I mean, I have a bunch of lady friends that were like, off the walls over Wonder Woman and everything and you know into all these nobody I'm seeing no excitement over Captain Marvel mm -hmm. except for one of those like wrote a thing about her having a very her hairstyle is very 2019 and so I'm like if she time travels that will explain why she has a very modern hairstyle sorry super no, you're, you're good I was thinking and this is totally a Caleb like a Caleb script. This is not something I've heard anywhere. It would be interesting if the post credit scene 
like if that beeper is a time traveling beeper and so like the the movie ends with her in 97 getting the beep from samuel l jackson in 2018 See, like man, that would be really interesting to me if they like we're gonna connected have another those directly incident like on our hands you realize that right yeah if that I mean, if that i'm right about that post-credit <laughs> I, I, I mean, I honestly think there's going to be something similar. Um, I mean, there's there's several theories out there already or wants, I guess, that are very interesting that, I mean, pretty much everything I've been reading has something to do with time travel, at least in one of the post-credit scenes. There's a super interesting one uh, with the ancient one. So that would be cool. Um, yeah, at this point, it's I don't know. It's all up for grabs how it's all going to come together. But it's been weird that this many things have been said. I think this time. Yeah, and it, it's I think this is the most I can ever remember um, coming out from said visit stuff. I mean, there was so much, so much stuff. It's all online. Go read it yeah. all. Actually, you probably I mean, shouldn't read it if you want to go in completely. Because I feel like I kind of have a sudden, or not a sudden, but at least somewhat of an understanding. I mean, uh, Jonathan Schwartz, executive producer, flat out revealed the plot. Yeah. Like at least the skeleton bare bones plot of the whole movie. I did think it was interesting. And again, this is mild spoiler, I think, because I think we all assumed this. They did reveal that Supreme Intelligence is going to be in this movie in some way, shape, or form, which I think we kind of all assumed was kind of debate of like, ooh, do you think it's going to be Annette Benning or is it going to be a giant green head or, you know, like, how is this going to work out? But um, I think we got that that is definitely going to be some kind of piece of this movie. Um, and also they talked a lot about how Nick Fury and Ronan have like some opportunities to kind of get some character backfill in this movie. And that was kind of interesting to me. That's less spoilery stuff about kind of how they're going to use those characters. Coulson, we'll get to see him meet Nick Fury for the first time, which obviously, you know, that makes sense as well. Um, anything outside of these set visits that you guys want to discuss before we move on from them? Yes, there is the Supreme Intelligence. They actually um, did have concept art on set of the big green head, um, the Power Rangers type. You guys remember Power Rangers, right? Or was that past your? Yeah, no, no. I saw Power what, Rangers. What was the, not Korg, what was the floating Ford? heads? No, what was the floating head guy? I thought his name was Zord. Zord, maybe. I don't know. Something like that. So it's it kind of Cranston like, in this new movie, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, So I anticipate kind of something similar to that, but I am... I don't, I don't want to give a percent, but I, I'm feeling confident Benning might be the supreme intelligence in the same vein as Kurt Russell was Ego. You Marvel people are still out there. but Well, and in the live chat, Michael T. Ford was saying he's bummed out about this stuff, but he really hopes that it's a misdirect. And I think that's really possible. At this point, I would not put it past them to like be shooting red herrings our way just to mess with us. I mean, I don't think that's beyond their 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 willingness to do, you know? Right. That's where, I mean, like, when you talk about all this speculation of, like, if, if we can guess what's going to happen, I'm going to be upset. It should be noted as well that this time last year, there was a 4chan leak that almost got the entirety of Infinity War right. Like, down to the Red Skulls roll, down to Gamora dying, down to, like, the Wakanda battle. 
obviously it had a few things wrong. Um, but it was like 85, 90% accurate. So it's, it's almost, it's almost getting to uh, watch social media time, you know? Yeah. But the reality is so many leaks quote unquote come out that like, they're kind of protected by the fact that you'll read 8,000 different things on 4chan, you know, like right. and you can't tell which ones are real and which ones aren't. Right. And then you end up forgetting stuff. I think, uh, Gamora wasn't spoiled for me last year. The only thing that was spoiled for me was Loki, I think. Uh, we'll keep on moving along then. Uh, let's talk about Kevin Feige. He was at the Golden Globes. And, dude, the reporter for MTV did an excellent job because right. they got Feige to spill all kinds of crap in like 30 seconds. It was amazing. Um, lots of things that he said here. Um, well, let's talk about the big one first. I, I think the biggest one for many of us. Uh, Adam McKay is apparently really interested in Silver Surfer. Uh, does that uh, sound interesting to you guys? Either of you Adam McKay fans? Big Adam McKay fan. Anything he does, I will watch and eat up. I mean, I, I'm having this inter internal battle. Would McKay put like a Will Ferrell type person in a cameo role? Probably not, but one can hope. But I love the vast majority of McKay's movies. I mean, Step Brothers, come on. I Step Brothers probably cracks my top five. See, I just think of him as the modern, like the more recent, like political edge stuff is what I think of when I think of him more than that, the older stuff, the goofy right. stuff. Right. You mean his good stuff. You think of his good <laughs> stuff, his better stuff. His Oscar stuff, yeah. His Oscar stuff, yeah. It's clear something, something will happen at some point. I mean, Feige flat out said that uh, – he wants to work with McKay. And I mean, McKay did. I'm not sure if he got a writing credit on Ant-Man, um, but he was involved in the writer's room or, or what have yeah. you. If it's Silver Surfer, that's great. I think that would be, it makes sense. It's kind of falls right in the uh, Marvel Studios MO of, I mean, obviously not just dropping a Fantastic Four movie right off the bat. Um, So that makes sense. I would guess it's going to happen at some point. The thing I've been uh, wondering is, uh, is there like a actor that he works with a lot that like he would bring with him? Like I just had this crazy idea of could they possibly get Steve Carell to like be the Silver Surfer? You know, like they could motion capture it and everything. Like he's kind of been able to play like sadder, more sullen people. I think it would, almost, it would be totally weird casting, but I would kind of be into it. I think, you know, like. Steve Carell is the sadly lone Noron Rad or whatever his name is. I'm maybe not on board with that idea. I mean, I'm totally on board with Silver Surfer movie. Maybe yeah. not just not Michael Scott. <laughs> well, and he could bring Christian Bale possibly too. I mean, it'd be interesting to see Christian Bale come to the Marvel side. That'd be great. I'd totally be on board with that. Christian Bale, Mr. Fantastic. Okay. I'm just saying random things at this point. I was going to say, are you going to say like... Amy Adams, Invisible Woman, now or what? Oh, not you guys heard me talk about Amy Adams a couple weeks ago. I'm tired of her. <laughs> um, another thing Feige said is they asked him about the Endgame title, and it's almost like he wanted to put the scoopers down. He was like, "No, Endgame has always been the title. It was the title before we wrote the movie. The reason Infinity War has a line where Doctor Strange says Endgame is because we knew the last one would be called Endgame." 
were you surprised, Rihanna, that he went so explicitly into this topic that seems like like, do you think he's reading Twitter to know that this is an argument or did it just happen to come out? I don't know. I mean, you know, when Jeff Loeb says stuff, you know he's reading the Twitter. But Feige, I mean, I think he maybe he's just enthusiastic on the fact that they've known it's in-game and he's so glad that he can say the word in-game out loud. It, it was a very interesting exchange. Yeah, so here's my issue with it. If in-game's always been the... Uh, the title for Avengers 4. Uh, I mean, it's not... I mean, the Russos are kind of at fault, right, for flat-out lying and saying, no, it's not in-game. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Right? Especially with, the, like, a, a media outlet with CNN and that whole Twitter stuff. I mean, I get it. And Feige does a really good job of... Um, saying non-answers, of course, but I mean the Russos actually went to length to say no, the title's not Avengers Endgame. Um, so that's kind of a bummer, um, you know, when they lie to media. But no, did they say that, or did they say that the the title was not in Infinity War? I thought it was explicitly that it's not Endgame. I thought they were asked uh, point blank as the title Endgame, and they said no. Yeah, something like that. I don't know the exact quote, but then. Uh, as Twitter would have it, Twitter started um, hurling threats and stuff at the CNN guy because he ran it back whenever saying, no, it's not Avengers Endgame. I, I guess I don't know what I expect from them. It's just kind of uh, – it puts it in a weird light if they just flat out say, deny or lie. I mean, I also think it's possible Feige doesn't know – Like, I mean, I don't know. Feige probably knows how much talk there's been about the name – but, you know, he was pretty excited to announce that the kid in Iron Man was a young Peter Parker. Um, right. He likes those little things that he can reveal after the fact were Easter eggs for things to, or you know, foreshadowing of things to come far later. He loves being able to reveal that stuff. So maybe he really genuinely just was excited that, you know, hey, yeah, I can tell you that was on purpose. Uh, Feige also talked a little bit about the Fox characters and just how excited he is um, about um, coming up with uh, all these different people, not just the X-Men Fantastic Four, but just hundreds of other characters. He made it sound like there's actually a document somewhere with all those names. I'd be fascinated to see that. Also, he uh, assured us that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is happening. It's just going to take time. So Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse won a Golden Globe for Best Animated uh, Picture. Beat out Isle of Dogs and Incredibles 2 and some other really good movies. I think it's deserving, but uh, still, that's pretty cool. And uh, on top of that, there's been rumors that they might try to spin off some animated TV shows. Do you guys want to see some animated spinoffs of Into the Spider-Verse? Hell yes. (laughs) I mean, obviously, one of the TV shows is Peter Porker. I mean, it's got to be Spider-Ham. Spider-Ham has to have a TV show. I mean, that would be fun if they even did like a spider noir adult swim type show. Yeah, there's a lot of options. We yeah. haven't you've seen it, right, Rihanna? We haven't heard yeah. your your review. Oh, that's I, true. We haven't. I liked it far more than I thought I would. Right. Um I liked it a lot. Like I've I've been um finding myself maybe wanting to go back and see it again. I almost think I go so 
I mean, we saw the first 30 minutes, 40 minutes, something at New York Comic Con. And before I saw it, I remember telling you guys, like, I felt like I had already seen so much of it. I wasn't too excited to go see it just because I sort of felt like I'd sat through it. That final product was nothing like I remember at New York Comic Con. Um, but also I walked to the wrong theater and I was running late already and I got there and I realized I was at the wrong theater. And so I like got into the other theater like 20 minutes late. So it was good that I had seen the first 30 minutes still so much better than I remembered so much better than I expected. It was a great movie. I've recommended it to other grown adults that feel like they should be off seeing like Aquaman or something. I see what the hype's all about now. I don't remember if we said it, but one of the weirdest thing about the Comic-Con footage we sh- saw, I always assume they make these movies in order for animation. Like you don't have sets, so you don't shoot out of order. So I just figured like they start with the first minute and they end with the last minute. But the footage we shot, we saw there was like random, like there'd be random, just like three second blurbs in the middle that were black and white or were drawn or were like weird, like computer models that hadn't been finished or whatever. And yeah. so it was cool to see it with all with all that cleaned out because that was really off-putting in the uh, footage that we saw at Comic-Con. And I think it was more than that. I think there was a lot of stuff that we saw that was unfinished, probably thought was finished, or at least for me. Like, I don't watch a ton of animation. So I right. think there's a lot that I probably thought was, you know, finalized that was I mean, where it was black and white or, you know, looking like a flip book. Yeah, that's obvious that it's not finished. I think there's probably a lot that I thought was finished, but that they added something extra by the final product that just made it amazing. So, I mean, I keep talking, like there's all these articles, you know, out about what it took to actually make this movie. And and they talk about making another one. I read those articles and I want to take a nap. Like, I don't know how these folks get to the end of creating something like that and want to touch a project like that ever again. It just looks so exhausting. Only other news that I had really to talk about, um, Black Panther sadly did not win the Golden Globe for Best Drama this week. Uh, It did pick up a Writers Guild of America nomination for Best Adapted Screenplay, which is significant because the Writers Guild is very similar to the nominating group for the Oscars as well. So um, screenplay was not something we thought maybe they'd get, but... It looks like maybe that's a chance. Any thought on the awards? Uh, I was kind of bummed out. Like I was, I was actually watching the Golden Globes, like Black Panther, Black Panther, you know. And so I was annoyed when it didn't happen. They ended up giving it to Brian Singer, anyways. You know what movie I I've been thinking about a lot lately is The Usual Suspects. I Mm -hmm. love that movie so much, but I don't Mm -hmm. know if I can watch it anymore. Brian Singer and Kevin Spacey in the same movie, like. Right, you know, right, and that's the yeah, I know that's I'm not saying it has to be that way. I know it's the debate, some people still like it, and that's fine, but for me, it's just weird, you know, right? I'm in the same boat. I mean, I love that. That's such a good movie. What do you do, Rhiannon? Do you not like usual suspects? I, you know, it's one of those movies that I know I've seen, but I think it was hyped so much before. I, I, I don't have a strong attachment to it what like i mean no it's not but i'm i'm not a movie person guys i mean it's really like i don't get attachments to movies like i do tv shows i don't remember them i don't absorb them i don't know what it is but i'm just not a movie person that's one of the few movies i've seen a bunch of times because 
the first time I'm like, what? And then you rewatch and you go, oh, that's what was going on. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, unreliable narrator. I, I, I could like dissect the usual suspects, but I can't tell you if I've ever actually seen it. Uh, I did forget this news. Adam, you listed this today. Scarlet Witch and Vision has a, uh, yeah. we don't know what to call this, a head writer. Uh, uh, I saw some people reporting and calling her a showrunner. Okay. That's an accurate title, I think. Because the article said she's writing the pilot. Is that right? Accurate? And serving as executive producer. So that's kind of the side. Yeah. That she's a showrunner. And I forget. It's Jack. I know the first name is Jack Schaefer. Jack Schaefer. Uh, which, uh, I mean, it doesn't really matter, but it is. This is a woman. I think I'm guessing Jacqueline. Uh, so Jack, you know, is usually a male's, man's name, but yes, uh, female uh, head writer on the show, which is really cool. And she was involved in Captain Marvel and Black it's, Widow. It's and Black Widow. So she is mm. Marvel Studios kind of go to all of a sudden. It is interesting that we don't know what this like. We talked about this a little bit earlier. We were talking about writers. We're like, is there going to be a writer's room for this or is it going to be written by like one person, like a movie, like. Do we think about this as a six or eight episode TV show or an extended film? I feel like this news today tells us that these Disney streaming shows are going to be essentially a TV show, just uh, one with a short episode run. Is that how it's kind of feeling to you guys? I, I mean, do you want Because that conversation that we had was over Slack. It wasn't on the podcast um, about if there would be a writer's room or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I looked into comparing... The only thing I could think to compare it to was like Chernobyl, which is a mini series coming up on HBO, very high budget, very big deal. The main writer on it is a, he's a movie writer. Like he's never done TV before, which seems kind of like the direction that they're going with these shows. And on that, he wrote all of the episodes. Like, I think it's about five episodes. So I still think it's possible that they have one writer for the whole series. I find that unlikely. I mean, I, I think it would really slow down the production. This Chernobyl series, he spent like a solid year, year and a half working on. Um, I think if they plan to spit them out in six months or so, they're going to have to have a team of writers involved. And there was, I mean, THR didn't have it in this report, but there was a previous report where they did say Vision and Scarlet Witch would be a 2019 property. Yep. Or they did yeah. say it would be released on Disney Plus in 2019. So, I mean... Which means was, they've got to start filming this crap, like, now, right? Right, but, I mean, they could already have the writer's room assembled. Now that they've released Jack Schaefer, I mean, the writer's room could have been at work for however long, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, they could be going into production. Well, I mean, they're in production, they have a writer, but... I mean, they could have scripts ready. I mean, who knows how far this has gone. I, I saw it wasn't a Marvel-related thing, but there was something this week where there was an announcement of an actress in a show. And, like, the showrunner posted something on Twitter that was like, yeah, we've already recorded their episode, but this is awesome news. So, like, sometimes when the stuff gets officially released, there are good ways into it. Yeah, you just think if they've shot anything, that somewhere we would have got, like, paparazzi photos of Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany... Unless the whole thing's being done on a stage. stage, Yeah, Yeah, I don't think they filmed anything, but I think they could easily have scripts written. I mean, I guess the turnaround's not that bad. Like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they traditionally would start filming that in like what, May or June for a September episode? Are we going to talk about that quick? Because we haven't talked about that yet, have we? 
well, what part of it that there's going to be like what the the seventh episode <sighs> renewal? No, how, it, renewal? How, yeah, no, how yes, yeah, season seven starting production next month. Like they're filming. Oh yeah, next month. Yeah, I don't know what's. Are they just going to drop them back to back? Like six will be this summer, and then seven will be in the fall or spring, or like uh, what, yeah. what's going on? No idea. I mean, to me, all signs point towards Shield being at a point that whatever happens next in the show is dependent on what happens in Endgame. Do we think maybe Coulson has a role in Endgame? I'm almost convinced Coulson's done done on Shield. Well, I think he's done after this next season, definitely. I mean, I think the odds of having much in screen time left at all. I mean, yeah, we surely will see him at least to say goodbye. Yeah, I mean, wasn't a uh, a sex scene death? Isn't that what we were hypothesizing earlier? <laughs> you, <laughs> poor man. You, Caleb. <laughs> that's what that's what that's what's keeping oh, you sleeping at night. It is. It's so macabre and so gross. But I mean, talk about you know, given a 10 p.m. time slot. <laughs> yeah, I don't we know. Hypothesize. It's... We probably have a slow episode later. We can hypothesize on the future shield. Yeah, absolutely. It it is it's bizarre and weird, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with it. So, um, um, fans will be excited though; they get a lot of it. Back to uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch, there are murmurings that it will mimic a particular run that I know I would be happy to see adapted. Tom King. Yeah, that's that's what some people. Yes! Are saying on Twitter, I know uh, one of the Omega U guys had tweeted murmurings, and another um, well followed Twitter account tweeted the same thing. So, also take that with a grain of salt. Obviously, Scarlet Witch is a non factor in that vision run. I mean, there's no, a, she's in it. Well, there's a one shot, right? I mean, it's yeah. not like she's just, there's, just, uh, I think, issue seven or something. I gotta get on this Tom King run. You haven't read, please read. I'll send you, I have the hardcover back there signed if you would yeah. like. No, don't send me your signed hardcover. Um, well, it's so good, Rhiannon. Oh my I, I know, it I is. know. It's it's more my ADD. I completely forgot about it. So. It should all, it's all on Marvel Unlimited by now, right? Yeah, this one's, it's, it's, yeah. It's on there twice because they also have the director's, oh, director's cut, cut or whatever. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really, um, it's up there, that comic, and then recently I've been reading Lock and Key, which I feel is the same way. They're comics where I gasp at like jump scares in a comic book, which yeah. never happens because you're like you're like flipping the pages, like you control the pacing. Right. And somehow the way they did vision, there were a couple panels where I like flipped a page, I was like, oh, like I don't <laughs> exactly. know how they built that kind of tension in a comic book, but yeah. Good stuff. Also, Michael T. Ford is pleading with you, Rhiannon. You need to read that series. So, I it's not that I don't take you guys' advice. It's just that I forget to read. I have watched so right. much television the past four days. Uh, let's go ahead. We got to keep moving. There's so much stuff. Uh, speaking of Black Panther and the award news, uh, we're going to give you guys a little bit of our pilot episode. This is an episode we recorded that had such terrible audio, and we we're so new to things that uh, it's never seen the light of day until now. So uh, we have a little bit where we talk about award shows and if there will ever be an Oscar winner out of MCU. Uh, so I'm going to put that clip in right here. If you want to hear the full thing of this, you have much more tolerance for static than I do. 
And uh, but that's possible. You can go if you're a Patreon. All Patreon levels have this uh, whole podcast available if they want to listen to it. We had somebody actually do that this week. So here's that portion. Uh, moving on to our next headline. Um, let's talk a little bit about Angela Bassett. This just happened recently. Black Panther is bringing her on as um, the mother of T'Challa or the stepmom of T'Challa. It'll be interesting to see how they kind of develop that. Uh, I think I know the answer to this, but are you guys excited about that casting? Is this movie kind of building up in your uh, list of the things you're really looking forward to coming out soon? It's going to be crazy. I mean, the cast they're putting together for this, it's out of this world. It really is. I mean, if you look at the the cast list and everyone that's going to be in it, it's like, yeah, you almost can't believe it's it's a Marvel movie of sorts. You know, it almost seems like it's going to be some Oscar-winning best picture thing with, with who they're putting in, you know. Every... It seems it gets more impressive announcement by announcement, so I can't imagine they add... Too many huge names because you can't really get much bigger than than everyone who's been announced at this point, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and at this point, I wouldn't be surprised to see Oprah Winfrey being casted in it. <laughs> find out that she's the one behind it. Like, right. it's just at that level. Yeah, I think internally we've been talking like, how do they fit Denzel Washington in this movie, right? Like, that's it's really like him or Morgan Freeman, you know? Like, those are really the people we still need to make it in this movie. The, what I've been wondering about is, um, you know, we kind of got set up Ulysses Claw way back on uh, Age of Ultron. And I think people always assumed that he was going to be the villain in this movie. But I have not heard anything about, um, uh, oh, oh, I'm going to lose his name, Anthony Serkis, is that right? The motion capture guy that plays Claw. I'm not sure. Uh, Andy Serkis, yeah. He uh, he played Claw in um, Age of Ultron. He was the guy that was dealing in the um, adamantium. And he's known for doing a lot of mo- mocap stuff. So he was like, he's in Planet of the Apes, is one of the apes. He was uh, Gollum in The Lord of the Rings. And they kind of, you know, he got his hand cut off in that movie and you kind of expected that he was going to come back as Claw, the master of sound. But I've not heard anything about him since then. And so I just wonder if that's a back burner or if that's still happening. Because right now it just doesn't seem like there's anybody, any room left for another character in this movie, you know? Absolutely. I thought he was already confirmed. Is he not confirmed for Black Panther? Oh, uh, maybe he is. I just haven't seen it. You know, especially after seeing him and... In Age of Ultron, you know, Claw's kind of that guy you expect to be in Black Panther, you know? Um, so right. Yeah, IMDb says he's rumored, so obviously nothing confirmed yet, but, uh, hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, it is really exciting just to see actors of the Bassett's caliber just excited about Marvel and wanting to get into Marvel. I just think that can't be anything but good for MCU movies. That they just kind of have the pick of the litter, so to speak, you know, like being able to take anybody they want, it feels like, in these movies. It doesn't feel like there's hardly anybody anymore that's going to say no to these, um, you know, maybe Walking Phoenix or whatever. But it just seems like people are really excited about these movies. I think that's, that's really cool to see that caliber of actor excited about these films. Yeah. 
I, I think, and, and I mean, I think right now there's been um, talk. You know, you look at Doctor Strange, and it's getting critical acclaim, looking at possible award season nominations, which these movies have never broken into. So maybe actors are looking at this as being a potential Oscar. You know, maybe it's getting a little more serious. Maybe this will get them some um, award season. You know, it's funny you mention that because that was my last bit of news that I wanted to talk about was award season. Sorry. Uh, So, no, no, no. That's actually, it's a perfect segue. We've been, um, honestly, to our listeners, uh, this is not the best news week for starting a podcast. It's been very slow. So we were trying to think of things to talk about. It's just uh, Critics' Choice Awards just came out with their nominees today. And Doctor Strange has, uh, I guess, six nominations. They do nominations based on, like, the category of a movie. So it's Best Action Movie, Best Actor in Action Movie, Best Actress in Action Movie. Uh, Civil War got a couple nominations as well. I know recently on MCU Exchange, we ran a little piece about uh, Doctor Strange almost certainly is going to be nominated, we think, for an Oscar for visual effects. Um, I guess let me just put it this way, ask this question. What do you guys think is going to be the first MCU Oscar? Assuming that happens someday, what uh, what do you think will be the first time the MCU actually pulls in an Oscar for their work? I think, obviously, no matter what movie it is, it's going to be something like visual effects. Absolutely, yeah. That, but, that's what I was thinking, too. You know, I don't... Obviously, it's not going to be a best picture or anything like that. It'd almost be a, a effects or a score or something like that. You know, Maybe five years, six years down the road, in phase 17, we'll see a best picture or something, you know. But I think it'll be um, something like visual effects. Yeah, I, I actually think if I were a betting man... I might actually put a little money on uh, Michael Giacchino as Giacchino. I don't know how to pronounce this. The for the score for Doctor Strange this year, I think that was just a really fascinating score, and I think it's possible that it gets some credit for just being unique and different. And Marvel has been like so kind of picked on um, for like not having great scores that I think it would be. Uh, I think it's kind of paying people are paying attention to the fact that the strange for Doctor Strange, the score for Doctor Strange is so good, and so I think it might have a even decent shot this year. But definitely, visual effects does seem likely. Um, for me, the acting thing is just you never know. Like when they took Heath Ledger to be Joker, I don't think anyone immediately said, "Oh, that'll win an Oscar," but then it was just so good. So you just never know exactly, you know, what's coming up. Yeah, and the Oscar committee, I mean, when we really look at the Oscars, they did some, they've started adding some fresh blood to the Oscar committee and stuff this past year, uh, or to the Academy. Um, So maybe that will change, and it won't always be that it has to be some indie film, and, you know, there's the snobbishness around the Oscars themselves and the type of works but there again we saw jessica jones getting nominated in one of those indie film awards series 
which proves they're looking at Marvel. They're not completely dismissing the comic book genre. So, who knows? Yeah, and I think it will be interesting as Marvel diversifies, you know, like with this Black Panther cast and crew, you know, if the Oscars are serious about looking at movies that are um, being made by minority creators, I think they, they can't really ignore a movie like Black Panther because there are still not a ton of major studio pictures that have the kind of investment by the diverse group of people that we're going to see with Black Panther. And so uh, it's just, I think that's interesting how that subject really comes into all this stuff as well. So, All right, we've got a special conversation today with a special guest. We have Charles Murphy from that hashtag show. Charles, how are you doing? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? We're doing good. Miss you, man. Thanks for having me on. This is cool. This is like reunion day. Yeah. So our longtime listeners will remember Charles uh, worked on MCU Exchange for a while. He's over at that hashtag show now. And Charles is a uh, a scooper. Is that a fair thing to call you? Yeah, the occasional scoop. So we thought it might be kind of fun today to talk to you just a little bit about uh, nothing specific. I know you have all these secrets you have to keep. But uh, I'm interested in how the how that process goes down. So we have a lot of listeners that obviously are consuming your website and others that are giving them these scoops and then they get see scoopers argue and fight with each other about what's real and what's not real. So break down for us, like, how does something start? Does somebody just call you and say, hey, I have something to leak to you? Or how, do, how does this work? I guess on occasion it's that easy. But to be honest, like, the the majority of them come from connections that I've made with people over the past maybe four or five years. Um, and that could be like things that I thought maybe were smaller incidental connections where I just, you know, tweeted somebody, texted somebody, emailed somebody, and it's built into something else. Um, sometimes it's people that I've talked to, you know, consistently regularly for, for a couple of years. And, and it's, I think sometimes it, in most cases, it has to be people that, that we've built up some trust with. We do, we do get a lot of people. I do, I do get a lot of people who just message me a random hey this is a thing i know and i mean the vast majority of stuff that we come across we don't end up end up doing anything with to be honest with you yeah is it do you kind of feel people out i mean do you tell them like hey do you got anything you know along the lines of captain marvel going on or like how do you how do you kind of feel that out no there's definitely always like a, a vetting process um it's sometimes you know i'll ask I'll ask for something I know is out there. I'll say, hey, see if you can get a hold of this for me. Maybe something I already have and say, if you can get a hold of this for me, just to kind of see, is is this like someone who has an actual source? And there's a, there is like a lot of echo chamber, echo stuff going on where somebody heard something because they heard it from somebody else that we already talked to about it. And they bounce it back to us and say, hey, we heard this cool new thing. And we'll say like, okay, we heard that a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, and, and then even asking in places in those little like direct, message conversation where'd you hear that from people won't tell you so there there is a process there of trying to figure out what people know what people don't know and sometimes that takes a couple weeks or even a couple months to really get legit or if they're just feeding you back stuff that is on a loop somewhere and i know with you guys i mean you try to double confirm most things right yeah we we almost always like if, if you see me put exclusive on it 
I've gotten it confirmed by more than one person. If you see me put rumor on it, it's something that one person told me and that I either couldn't get confirmation of from a second person or in some cases, like there's one, there's one that we've been working on and people that have followed me on Twitter um, for the past two months or so would know. And I know Caleb and I talked about it privately a while back. There's one that we've been working on for a while that we've gotten fairly what I think is a legitimate piece of information. We haven't been able to get it confirmed by anybody else. And in fact, we were asked by the studio when we reached out to the studio, asked not to run it. Um, they didn't tell us if it was legit or not. They said, don't run that. And to me, that was, that was them telling us, Hey, you're on to something. We can't have you putting it out there just yet. So for now we're sitting on it. Um, Joe and I have talked about it as recently as last night about what we want to do with it, because it's something that if we do let it loose and it's legit, it's a huge story. If it's something we let it loose and the studio doesn't run it or decides to change it, then we look like complete idiots. What's going on that you just like keep it all in your head? Or at this point, do you have spreadsheets and stuff? I, um, for the most part, honestly, try to keep it all in my head. I don't want to put anything on a piece <laughs> of paper on a file that someone else can get a hold of. It's about two years ago, I had a really long conversation um, with, a, with a source and I put everything down in a, a notebook. And it was probably, honestly, eight pages worth of notes, front and back. So 16 total pages of notes. Um, it's where a lot of the Captain Marvel stuff that we had came from. It's where some of you guys, I was still working part-time for MCU Exchange. It's where some of the Nomad stuff came from, where some of the Children of Thanos stuff came from. And it's where um, the first time that I heard any information about the Friends um, Volume 3 script. And so, like, some of the stuff that was going to, was supposed to take place in there, just, just like outlining some key things, and so especially some of the stuff that would happen at the end. Um, I kept all that stuff in a notebook, and that stuff is all, almost all of it came through. It's probably 80% of it was accurate. But, yeah, I definitely kept it in a notebook, and then um, I started thinking, like, well, that's that's fairly safe. That's a pretty good idea. But then I noticed my kids are reading it. I don't know who they're saying stuff to. Not that anything's going to get out out and about that way, but yeah, it's definitely for the moment in my head. A lot to keep in your head. I remember when you had those two pages. I uh, remember like when you were like, I just wrote down like eight pages of stuff. Yeah, it was so that much was fun. At any point through the process, was the title going to be Avengers Annihilation? <laughs> to your knowledge. Well, Adam. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> there was. Trust me, when that when that story went around, I did. I reached out to every single source, every person. Um, nobody, nobody else told me that. The, the, the only two people that told me that were the were the two people who backed it the hardest online. Um, everybody else told me, you know, it was that that was not it. I did hear a different name that they used in some of the, some of the pre-production stuff, but it wasn't a, an official studio name. It was something that one of the effects companies that worked on the, some of the various shots used, and it was not Annihilation. I know that that story got, got twisted and contorted way out of control 
Um, but I mean, like, like common sense tells you um, when it leaked on the composers, wasn't the composer or the cinematographer, one of the other uh, cinematographer, maybe, I don't know, leaked on his page that said Avengers Endgame. It wasn't Avengers Endgame, which they changed to Annihilation and then changed back to Avengers Endgame. And I know about it. I think Feige doesn't tend to lie so much. And I think like you can do a lot of reading in between the lines with Feige. Um, and he said, like when they when they wrote the script and made Doctor Strange say, we're in the end game now, they knew that that was the title of the sequel. And that was a couple years ago, if not more, when those guys, when Marcus and McFeely would have sat down and written that script. So I, I tend to buy that. And I never heard it confirmed from another person that Annihilation was ever a part of the deal. And in fact, actually, to finish that off, we we had, like you ask about scoops, we had one person tell us, not only is it Annihilation, it's Annihilation because Annihilus is in the movie. And I and I talked to Joe about it, and I absolutely refused to write the story because I didn't believe it. Do you have a uh, favorite scoop that you've had since you uh, have been doing this? Like a thing you're most proud of? Oh, man. I don't know. Can you think of one for me? Um, you had a good streak on Infinity War, where it was like the Nomad stuff and the Black Order being called Children of Thanos, and like there was a bunch of them in a row right there for you. you know, That's what I remember you know most. What? I can. The one that I am that I like the most was a fifty percent myth, and I actually feel really dumb about it when I when I found out that Callahan, that David Callahan was writing a Marvel Studios script, and I could not pin down what he was writing. Um, that one. I, I like that one because I can remember in running too awful long later, they said that he was writing the Spider-Verse sequel or one of the Spider-Verse spinoffs. And people were like, oh, this is the scoop you're talking about. I said, no, it's a Marvel Studios for sure. Not a Marvel, not Marvel related, Marvel Studios. And it wasn't much longer than that, that Shang-Chi came out. And you guys know why that's my favorite, because I couldn't be more excited about any of these movies that are coming than having a Shang-Chi. Well, and I think, I mean, you tell me if we can't talk about this, but... I think you and Charles Villanueva have talked about on Twitter how you saw footage of Shang-Chi uh, auditions at some point for Iron Fist. So that kind of connects to that, too. I guess we could talk about that a little bit. They had There was an audition video for Shang-Chi and Iron Fist, and um, our old editor at MCU Exchange saw it, too. So it's not like a, a one person who saw it and forgot about it or made it up kind of thing. Um, and so a couple, I don't know, 18 months ago, maybe more, um, I was told directly that the, the Chinese box office was obviously, it's been a huge part of their success. They have been working, Marvel Studios have been working to develop better relationships with, um, with the country of China, the Russos open, I, what did they go over there for? They went over and did a huge press conference over there to open something. Was it Infinity War? They did, they did a huge presser somewhere where it was exclusive stuff. We were told, I was told that that was a priority for them to develop a Shang-Chi movie, to do it, uh, and to make it, to make him a, a central figure going forward. And so when, when, you know, the Callahan news came out and then shortly thereafter they said it was Shang-Chi, I mean, that all, that all clicked for me. That was all stuff that we had heard wheels in motion on for quite a while. Obviously, Disney and Fox is, is going to close here within the next few weeks, ideally. Um, 
the Golden Globes red carpet was, was pretty eventful. You had, I, I know MTV News in particular interviewed Feige, and Feige said uh, he hadn't spoke with Adam McKay, um, but he loved working with him somewhat on Ant-Man. Um, and then Adam McKay turns around and flat out says that he's spoken with Marvel Studios um, and they hope to get something done um, for Silver Surfer. I mean, what, I mean, in your experience, at least, you, you know, obviously we've talked about this on the pod before, Feige reviews Fox scripts like Dark Phoenix and so on and so forth. I mean, is there um, any thing you can share with us? I mean, have they, I mean, maybe not pushed anything into development, but I mean, surely there's thoughts out there. Feige knows what he's going to do with the X-Men, right? Feige knows how he's going to introduce the Fantastic Four. I think you've, so first of all, if you paid attention, like we said earlier, the Feige kind of talked, you can read between the lines, his rhetoric changed dramatically over a, maybe a 12 to 18 month span from it's impossible to, hey, nothing's ever impossible to, you know, short before the X-Men box deal was announced that he was like, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're hopeful that we can get it done and get all our characters back. And, and so there's no way that he hasn't been considering what to do. Um, I think, so I've heard a couple different things bandied about. I haven't chased into them at all, but I've heard that they have, there's been at least a, a small gathering of people who have laid out how they might go about doing it. I don't know that they've commissioned any scripts. I've never heard a single thing about an X-Man or Fantastic Four script being commissioned. I think it's, it makes sense to me when I hear people say like, hey, there've been, there've been some people, some of the, maybe some of the EPs in a room talking about what they might want to do when, when it comes around to it. And I think it would be important to Kevin Feige. He, he worked early on in his career with Fox on those movies and he's obviously going to want to develop them and put his stamp on him, um, thank God, because I don't know what what has happened to him here over the past several movies, but he's definitely going to want to put his stamp on things. Any? Have you heard anything? I mean, I know I have to ask it. I know what the answer is. Like, <laughs> side, is it dead? Is it all dead? Yeah. So we've actually always done a really good job getting a hold of Netflix stuff, right? Like, yeah. that hashtag, we've always had stuff. There, there, there is zero out there for, for any further development of any Netflix stuff. I'm sorry. So I know it hurts. So when you do get news, I'm going to be the first one you call, right? Yeah, I, will, I will have a message out to you immediately. <laughs> awesome. Um, here's, here's something that I thought of when we were talking, though. I said I was kind of bummed about the Shang-Chi one. Um, it's, it's a fun thing to do, but it gets... Frustrating, uh, you know. At times, like I don't know if Kit or Justin Kroll that strange too, right? That Derrickson was on board. Right. I was, I was like another, another phone call away from that story. I was sitting at my daughter's basketball game, and my phone starts blowing up about, "Hey, did you see? Did you see? Did you see?" And I, that was like, that was such a a kick right in the gut. That was something that, that I had worked for a week and had had legitimate information on and just was tr trying to confirm right trying to get that second confirmation when the story broke um like well it is a ton of fun when stuff like that happens not so fun 
what's your experience as far as like when you actually watch the movies? When you are they more exciting, less exciting? You guys know I was super fortunate last year. I got to go to the like the world premiere of Infinity War right like out in LA. We were the first group of people to see it, and I knew a significant amount about it. But I was, I, and obviously part of it was being there and it was such an exciting thing to be in that room with all these people who like their reactions to everything because there were no spoilers right and all these people are reacting organically to what they're seeing and it was it was so cool and then I got a chance to come home watch it again with my family and watch my kids experience all the stuff and even though I knew everything was going to happen um I think it's still it doesn't ruin it for me at all it's it's exciting it's it's weird because like even though you're 100 sure these things are going to happen when you see them unfold on screen you're like oh my god that's so cool it's a little bit satisfying i guess because it's you know something you put some time into to get that out there to people and we try we do try not to spoil stuff i don't i think i think caleb probably knows we had um we chose at the mco exchange to sit on the fact that loki was going to die like five minutes into the movie like we had even described to us and we're like yeah we can't run that that's such a huge spoiler that'll ruin the movie for so many people um but yeah, it's and it's still enjoyable. It's still really satisfying to see it happen. And like, you know, going forward, we have we have um I think probably in the next week we'll have some news on Black Widow. It's just it's exciting to to sit back and watch it all unfold. And like my you know, in the next six months, I'm I wanna work super hard to make sure that we fill in those gaps of the the rest of the MCU films and get as much information out there as we can. I, I, I want to do the Thanos thing and sit back and watch, watch it unfold after that. It's going to be kind of cool. So you mentioned going to that premiere, uh, as someone who's been in the room with Kevin Feige, was that pretty cool? Like, how was that to meet him in person? He's so cool. He's so, so you can't trick the dude. Like he's, he's going to tell you exactly what he wants to tell you. Even if it isn't related to the question you asked him at all, he has like, he is very, very sure about what he's going to say and when he's going to say it. And even if you look like we were sitting in the room with him, we asked him about Moon Knight. And his response to Moon Knight was like, was a little surprising because I think a lot of people assume that Moon Knight was a character that was at Marvel TV. But I think now we know why he wasn't at Marvel TV because no characters are at Marvel TV anymore, or very few, right? So he said, yeah, we have this pile of cards and Moon Knight's in the pile of cards. Um, and we look at them sometimes and think about what we could do with them will that be five years from now or 10 years from now or 15 years from now so like everyone gets all carried away in that story like hey kevin feige talks about moon knight he didn't say anything like yes moon knight's a character that we might develop in the next 15 years that's not a very big story but it, it's you know when you watch him kind of pick away like you ask him questions and he's such a quick thinker and he's so good on his feet i don't know that he ever gets caught off guard he's very calm and and very cool about what he has to say um, he was cool. The Russos were so cool. They were so cool and so generous with their time. And and actually, uh, like uh, after we got done with the interview, um, Joe Russo said, "Hey, you going to the premiere? To, to, you know, going, going to the premiere?" And I said, "Yeah." He's like, "Make sure you find me after and let me know what you think about this one scene." We discussed a scene off the off the record, and I asked him if he had if he's going to have it in there. He goes, "Yeah, that's going to be in there. Let me know what you think of it um, after the premiere." So we're at the at the premiere party afterwards. I'm like wandering around this premiere party with all these stars, um, so trying to catch up with them and talk to them about this little scene. I never did catch up to him, but I did run into Jim Starlin, who was also looking for Joe Russo, and that was super cool. 
so what we what we did with that whole process was go through we talked to marcus and mckeely first and that was fascinating because like you know their brain is the is the anthology of the mcu right like they've done so much and then we met kevin and then we met the russos and you know you just get like a few minutes in the room and the russos were like no it's cool they can stay in here we're, we're having a good talk and they were they were super generous and took a bunch of pictures with us and were they were they were i'll tell you what i thought was so cool is like for making a movie that was certainly going to be a huge blockbuster and make billions you know billions of dollars were so genuinely concerned about how people would like it it came across in their they were confident but they were generally genuinely concerned about how people were going to like Thanos, what they were going to think about what they did i thought that was so cool like these guys are are as big as it gets and there was a genuine concern for how their audience was going to respond to what they put out there thanks so much for spending some time with us we really appreciate you taking some time away from the kids or whatever else is going on uh and being a friend of the show we're excited to have you on here with our 100th episode coming through so thanks for being here man awesome do you want to plug like where people can find you if i mean we might have listeners that don't know who you are yeah, um, you can find me on on my Twitter, which is at Charles Murph, THS. I just started putting a little Facebook page together where I'm basically just accumulating all my scoops for now, but I would like it to be a little bit more of an interactive community. Twitter sometimes gets a little tough on people to, to get back and forth with each other. Um, so that's actually Facebook at Charles Murph, THS. Um, and then you can find all my stuff over at that hashtag show. I just had a cool one today um, about Spike Lee's next film after Black Klansman. So he's he's angling to, to get Samuel L. Jackson and John Carlo Esposito to lead his little Vietnam revisitation film. It sounds really cool. It's um, called The Five Bloods. So we're not getting that Night Watch movie ever, huh? Uh, <laughs> Man, so that no, I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, I don't know if it got published or not, but Spike went on did talk about at an interview. He had a really quick, he had a really brief answer. I don't know if it got published or not, but it was basically no. Chio had worked hard on that script, I know, and, and he and Spike working together seemed like it was gonna be pretty cool. I don't know. I I, I got the feeling it was a, it was uh Sony's idea and not theirs. Sony has lots of ideas. So. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? All right. Venom 2 scoops or what? Do I have any what? Venom 2 scoops. Yeah, Venom 2 will be whack. Nice. I really get it. My kids will love it. That'll be Venom 2. Okay. Thanks, guys. We'll, we'll let you go, Charles. Thanks for the time, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Good luck to you. All right, uh, let's go ahead and talk about Runaways. So Runaway Season 2, we talked about a little bit. We kind of reviewed, but we hadn't really seen it all. I think all of us have seen all of it. So we're going to do a little bit of a full spoiler talk on Runaways uh, here now on this episode. Did it get better, guys? Did you like the show more after seeing it all? Or are you still uh, as about it as you were then? I am maybe more about it. <laughs> At this point, I didn't like it. Um, I've said it before. Obviously, I'm not. It's it's target demo. Um, I, I like season one far more. It's just like we were talking about in Punisher. This was just inconsistent, I guess. Uneven. It, it seemed like it felt like two completely separate seasons in one. And that's where like. 
I haven't reached the end of the season, I don't think. I can't tell you where I ended. I just know that I thought I had reached the end of the season. And then it kept playing new episodes. <laughs> and I really had difficulty getting back in. I was like, man, this third season sucks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I hate to be so down on it. Um, See? This is odd for me because I felt like it picked up in the second half. Um, I, excuse me. Once they like finished the Jonah spaceship kind of thing at that like mid-season finale, where they had like where Jonah gets impaled by Nico, I yeah. felt like the show really picked up from there and actually became a tighter, better thing once Jonah was out of the way. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean. What's going to be a more tense relationship, Trish and Trish and Jessica Jones after Trish killed her mother, or like the Nico, Carolina? Carolina, did they did they make up? Spoil it for me. Like, did she forgive her? Um, things start to get a little better. Part of it is Nico is like full on demon possessed. Oh, like things are not looking good. And I think Carolina starts to like worry about her because she's got, she, I I love that they gave her like full on Dormammu Caselius eyes. Uh, I I thought that was a great example of how you actually connect something, not just like points of connectivity, but I, I felt like that was a great MCU all connected moment when Nico started to show that same purple, like chipping around the eyeballs, you know? Now you're piquing my interest. Maybe I'll go back and watch the rest. Yeah, I, mean, I plan to go back to watch the rest. But... I, I do feel like you guys, it was very odd. Um, the way I've put it is it's almost like they wrote like traditional 22 episode TV seasons. Like they did 13 on one plot and then they finished it in like the next seven. And then I felt like it was almost a hard reboot at episode eight. But then my problem was by the time episode 13 ended, it just like, it just like abruptly ended. Like I felt like there should be a next one to stream like a 14th episode because they didn't wrap anything up. If anything, they opened it even wider. Um, I think we're definitely looking at a third season coming uh, for sure of the show. Um, So that's, yeah, it's just really weird. I don't, I don't understand what they're doing totally there. They definitely, um they're definitely trying to get people you know they did the cliffhanger thing to get people to come back next next time around just because you end on a cliffhanger doesn't mean you're getting another season <laughs> right i mean what which brings up the point i mean are we getting, we're getting runaway season three right yes yeah yeah but we also said you said it that same way for daredevil but who I, mean, I didn't yeah run <laughs> runaways does make sense at least well and there was uh i shared that one social media post uh annie Wershing, who plays uh oh, carolina's right. mom right she was like um she said something like can't wait to have more scenes with you next season like it wasn't like an announcement and she maybe was just being positive but she talked about it on social media like a season three is a pretty firm thing in her mind. So, so I will yeah, say, but, but Charlie Cox and Wilson Basil did crap like that too. So. That's true. 
I will say this. I absolutely hated, with a capital H, that church subplot stuff. Really? Yeah, I I don't know what it was. It, it just, I don't know. It just was very off-putting to me. I think what I liked is a lot. I, I complain that I never feel like these kids are ever actually in danger. Mm-hmm. I did actually worry about them a little bit in the second half. Like, oh, these people are actually with a cult that actually like falsely imprison and torture people. And then, um, oh, what was the name of the, the cop gone bad? He had like a bad rapper name. Oh, it was a really bad rapper name. Yeah, but like, anyways, that guy, like, I thought this guy will actually shoot one of these kids in the head. You know, like, their parents won't. And Jonah is like some weird space alien. But this is just a bad cop that will totally kill one of these kids if he has to. And the way Alex mishandled it, like, I just, all that stuff, I felt like had more tension because there were villains that were like sub-villains, whether it was the church or the bad cops or whatever, that actually could see putting a bullet in one of these kids unlike most of season one. So, I mean, they almost, did you think they were going to do the uh, Gert storyline there for a minute about Gert dying or what? Uh, Yeah. I mean, it looked like it could happen. And then, I mean, we barely got anything of Zav and how'd you, uh, cause you two actually like the runaways comic, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of Zavin so far? I get what they're doing. It's a little tedious, but I think once that character kind of drops a little bit of the Mork and Mindy thing and like actually starts becoming a little more normal, she'll be interesting. Or and, it will um, be interesting. Uh, what the hell happened to Topher? I was about to say, did Topher really just show up for like two episodes or something? And because he, when he dropped off, he dropped off hard. <laughs> yeah. Ass. Yeah, and he's not a vampire, which is disappointing. Right. And the Gibberim are aliens. They're not giant gods. She's not really a... Zavin's not really a scroll. I mean, there's all sorts of things here where they've kind of cut corners that make me sad. So my last... The one last question I had, who is the last host? Who's the third oh, host? Yeah, yeah. The last Alex, host. right? You think it's Alex or you think it's like Nico or... I think it's probably Nico, but I'm not totally sure. It would be interesting if like... Nico had like this demon possession thing and the alien possession thing Which like happening at the same that's time. Not her because she's already dealing with other stuff. So maybe that's how they have Alex break bad, kind of. I don't want Alex to go bad. I think they should totally change it. We're all expecting it. Don't I? I feel like they're actually, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, Greg Sulkin. What's his name? Chase. Chase. I'm Chase is the bad kid, it. man. Yeah. I hate him anyway. Oh, I hate that character so bad now. Right. Mama and Daddy, I feel so lonely. Can I come back home so you'll make me eggs for breakfast in the morning? Like, just what a little... Seriously? Seriously? Have you not seen this far? (laughs) Sorry. Maybe. Maybe I have. Maybe I haven't. I mean, I feel like they all kind of, like, go home for eggs every now and then. Yeah, kind of. he just totally sells them out. And it was like a poignant moment. Like they had just had this like great 16th birthday party for Molly. The, uh, I can't say it in Spanish, but you know, that special 16th birthday party to do. Yes. 15th birthday. 15th. Okay. They just done it for Molly. It was really sweet. And he was so awesome. And then he's like, guys, I'm tired of this. I'm going home. And then like, the pride are like, help us find your friends. He's like, just don't hurt any of them. And like, you can't trust your parents. 
he's just a dummy. I just a dumb, dumb, dumb character. That's the problem with Chase. Also, I would be perfectly fine if they just wrote Kip Pardue off the show. Whoever his character, <laughs> I mean, he's in the perfect position. They don't need him anymore. I don't even. Yeah, he'll just be a shallow grave out at Gibberim Central. So <laughs> that was a little melodrama-ish when they're like, oh. Carolina's grandmother's here and she's been brainwashed and her mom has another baby. And it was I guess, almost, do we know for sure whose baby that is? Jonah's right. It is Jonah's for sure. Yeah, That's what I, I thought it was. I loved how the grandma moment was almost identical to the Martha moment in Batman versus Superman. <laughs> right. Like, uh, Carolina's mom said her name and like the grandma turns around and says, Why'd you say that word? And I'm like <laughs> pretty sure that just happened in Batman versus Superman. But yeah, I did like the allusion to the Gibberim and that there's that weird statue in like the front yard of the the cult center that looks like one of the like Gibberim gods for the comic books. No. Yeah. So in their reconditioning center or whatever, there's like a statue in the yard and it's in the style of uh, Adrian Alfano's. Alfona? I don't know how to say his name. Uh, but the way he drew the Gibberim, it's kind of similar in style. Hmm, very nice. That was another... I don't know why it rubbed me the wrong way. So in this spaceship, there were both Gibberim and Zavin's race, which is an actual race in the comics, but not Scroll. Did we get clarification why they were together? Or I thought Zav- Zavin was totally a Scroll. Well, in the comics, Zavin is, but right, in the right, show, right. Zavin is a different alien race. What happens to be from the comics? I can't remember what the right. Yeah, they couldn't use scrolls, and then it's not the Magisterian or whatever. But they made these ones the Gibberine. I don't know. I get why they're adapting it. I just I'm being a fanboy that wants it like I'm used to it. <laughs> you know, the season had far less of the parents having affairs with each other. And that type of melodrama. So I'll give it points for that. Yes. Now they did start having, (laughs) they had weird gibberim sex when their partner was randomly taken over by an alien. Yeah. Yeah. All the aliens are obsessed with, like, all the aliens are obsessed with food and sex. Is that right? To be fair, I have a similar reaction to eating cake. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, that was. Pretty relatable. Ladies, if you ever go out with Adam, he's like, you want any cake, cake. for dessert? Say no, no. I insist. <laughs> C2E2. We do a C2E2 meetup. Maybe the will cake. Hell oh, yes. no. Is that, uh, does that do it for uh, our Runaways talk? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I like the second half a whole lot more. Like, I was pretty pumped about it. I was, uh, I... I just felt it ended oddly because this is the second year in a row that the finale was just like, Hey, we're going to set up all these new scenarios and boom, there we go. And it's just, also they need to freaking get a budget for old lace. If I have one more episode where old lace is sick or staying at home or under a blanket or like, I, I get why they're doing it. But every time I see it, I go, Oh, the production budget can't afford to have old lace in this episode. You know, like, there's no logical reasons why they're like, we're going to the most dangerous place ever. Let's leave the dinosaur at home. Like, I just don't understand. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't get why they would need an increased budget. Isn't Old Lace a puppet? Like, it's pretty apparent. It's still jerky and 
it reminds me of like the early nineties Jurassic park. You know, I thought you were going to say, uh, dinosaurs on ABC, not the mama, not the, mama. <laughs> Oh, I, I don't know where my baby Sinclair is too, but yeah, that yeah, kind of right. reminds me of that, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Papa Sinclair. If we want old lace to attack somebody and to like do something violent, I think they're going to have to CGI that. True. All right. We're going to have a, we have a special conversation here with uh, our very good friend, longtime partner with Marvel News Desk, all the way back to the MCU Exchange days. Uh, we got Charles Villanueva with us. Charles, we're so happy to have you, man. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, man. Thanks for having me. It's been, it's really great to finally talk to you guys. Oh, like, thanks for having you. I'm like, I can't believe we've never had you on here before. <laughs> yeah. I, that's. We didn't get like a Daredevil reaction, or we didn't get an Iron Fist reaction, you know? Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, for Punisher, yeah. I have a lot to say about Punisher, man. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot to say about Punisher. <laughs> oh, my God. If you guys are new to the show uh, or, or just don't know, Charles uh, does a lot of video editing. He does video editing for us. Uh, he also does his own stuff, does stuff for MCU Exchange, stuff we share. But he's most famous for the MCU Supercuts that you all love so much. Uh, Road to Infinity War, Road to Civil War, those kinds of things. Uh, Charles, I think the first thing people would be interested in is kind of how would you get into doing the Supercuts? And, how, you know, like, what was the source of that? And then what it, what's it been like to see how people have responded to it over the years? So I basically, I basically got started back in college. I majored in video production. Starting out, we did a lot of short films. At first, I, I thought I was getting pretty good at it. Then I just got so burned out with the production process. And I just gravitated to just sitting in front of the computer and just editing. That's what I enjoyed the most out of the whole process in filmmaking, quote-unquote. And on top of that, I love the Marvel movies, obviously. It wasn't a certain point until I saw there this guy on YouTube by the name of Stephen Thomas. He did a lot of retrospective videos, basically what I do, but he did them for other films. He did them for Rocky, for Star Wars, Jurassic Park, and his most famous one was a, was a Dark Knight sort of trilogy retrospective. And I remember watching that and thinking, I think I should start doing that for, for the MCU. This is back in like 2013. So yeah, that's it, yeah. You've gotten, you know, acknowledged at kind of a lot of levels. I mean, there have been a lot of famous people now that have talked about your supercuts. Does that still right, kind right, of right, amaze right, you right. when you look back at it? Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, the last thing you'd expect is, like, someone from Marvel to actually notice it. Especially coming from me. I'm like, I, I, I live all across. I live in the other side of the world. We have nothing here. I mean, we're, we're like, the farthest thing from Hollywood. And then you see someone on Twitter, like, say, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. And you find out it's Andy Park from Marvel. So it's, it's pretty crazy. And you got to do something that was, I mean, your most recent video that came out the day that we're recording this. Yes. From Chris. <laughs> dude, he was, dude, he was so nice. It's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. What are you, what are you doing for him? No, I did the, uh, I did his recent um, stunt reel. He did Chris Grister's oh, stunt reel. For the brewski. Yeah. 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 Um, yes. Nice. Such a cool that. guy. Yeah. Such a cool guy. That's going to be a public facing thing? It's public. It went public today. You should write an article oh, about yeah, it, Adam. Ooh, I might. And I, 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 I didn't even know he was Guy Ritchie's stunt double in Iron Man 3 until I edited that. I didn't either. I didn't know he was in Iron Man 3. Yeah, yeah. I saw that and I assumed... Well, it's funny because doing that stunt reel, like... So did he go through and, like, tell you, like, this was me? So that... Oh, yeah, I, I, had to, I, I had to ask him what he wanted to see in the stunt reel. He gave yeah. me a list of 
specific scenes he'd like to, to see. And I think those were scenes he were he was actually in. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he gave me a master list of stuff he wanted to see. Uh, go ahead and break down for just a sec. Like, what's the process of doing these? Like, do you just watch? Like, um, if you're doing the Road to Civil War, like, did you just watch the movies over and over and over again? Like, how do you put stuff where you want it? Do you sketch it out? Like, how's it work? Well, for the Road to Civil War, I, I mean, I sort of had the blueprint of um, how I wanted it to be like. I think the most crucial here when I'm when I'm when I'm trying to do a supercut is figure out what kind of music I want. I think that's always key. And I think that's where without the without good music, it's hard for me to crack how the video is gonna look like. I, I think this is where my experience as a musician comes in. Like I have experience arranging tracks and sort of building music around pre-written songs or guitar riffs or melodies. So basically that's how I usually start a supercut is through music. You know, I think of a cool I always think of a what scene could I use to like open this really strongly, or, or like or like what is there a particular quote from the, from from a particular movie that you know I think would make a good opening. But yeah, so basically it all starts from the for the music choice. That's interesting. I've heard um, I've heard like uh, Edgar Wright talk about drive um, Baby Driver, and that. I think that's kind of how he put together a lot of scenes in that movie too. Like the music shaped what he was doing as directors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I think it's, the, I think it's the same for me. Like I rarely like work on something without any music first. And I, I think I, I spent a lot of time just like surfing through YouTube, what kind of good tracks to use and stuff. Yeah. I mean, do you know, uh, kind of what your next? I mean, are, are you looking for music? I mean, I have a recommendation for if you want a track. I mean, Eminem yeah, does it, man. <laughs> but, uh, what's it? Well, I don't know what it is. It's like knock, knock, let the devil in. Venom, yum, 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 get him, get him. Maybe, maybe, maybe not a musical episode. Can you maybe use that track for a supercut? Like maybe the in-game supercut would be a good fit, right? I, I, I should probably check that out first. Okay, okay, I'll link it to it. It's a very good song. I think it won a great. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. It probably sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm sure. Yes. Okay, Charles. I know. Um. You've been doing this a while. Uh, you've built up a fan following. We asked what people wanted for our hundredth episode, and the first thing that we heard from like three people was like immediately, "Oh, we want to hear from Charles. Like yeah, we want yeah. to hear his voice." Yeah, yeah. Have you thought about trying to become a professional like film editor? Like, is that something you would want to do, or are you kind of enjoying the different gigs you got now? I enjoy where I'm at right now. Like it's pretty, it's pretty. It, it fits my current, you know, sort of lifestyle. Like what I do, my schedule. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be totally opposed to like working on an actual film. That'd be a cool gig. Maybe, but a lot of our, a lot of your fans probably. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I see you talk about it on Facebook, but not on Twitter as much. Like right, right. your gig outside of the MCU that you do. Oh yeah, yeah. Like my, like my like my actual gigging life, like music and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But you're yeah, a drummer. You're a drummer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't think I, I don't think like the, the Twitter knows like what I do like outside of MCU Exchange yeah. or oh, okay. or MND. Yeah, I don't think they know. Are you I trying to keep a surprised. secret? Should I? Should I? <laughs> no, not really. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, it's just that I mean, okay. There's there's like MCU film Twitter. And then there's our, our our Philippine music Twitter. I've I've been absent from that part of Twitter. I'm not really <laughs> a part of the indie Philippine music Twitter. I'm really more a part of a 
the U.S. film Twitter part, yeah. Definitely more my, my, my space. I heard there's a guy in, like, Iowa that downloaded your album. No, yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember that. Yeah. You mean Adam? Are you yeah. About Adam? Wait, no. Oh. I totally listened to you on Spotify. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, Caleb. yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, I've listened to him before. Yeah. Oh, Pretty yeah. cool, yeah. I mean, it's cool that you guys like, manage to hear the stuff I do. All right. Speaking of all the things you do, uh, we definitely want to give you a chance to just tell people all the different stuff that's up. So, I mean, we know you do your editor. What are you called now? The editor in chief over at MCU Exchange. Yeah, Is that right? Right, right. So you do that. Uh, give us the name of your band if you want. Like, just where can people find all your stuff? Well, you got the obvious stuff with the, uh, with you guys, Marvel News Desk and MCU Exchange. Uh... I'm working on an Iron Man Supercut. It should be out maybe next week. That's the target date. And after that, I'm going to go straight to the, the people are asking for it, the road to Endgame. Ooh. And, uh, dude, I've so, I have so much unfinished work. I have like an unfinished, uh, I, I told you about this before, I have an unfinished Superman Supercut. I have, I have an unfinished Wolverine Supercut. They're all just like waiting for me to finish them. But I keep going back to the MCU, so. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, as for plugs, um, on Spotify, you can check out some of my bands. I play for a couple of bands. I record for a couple of bands. I record for... My, my band right now is... My touring band right now is called Area 25. We're on Spotify. And, uh, of course, my other band, I think this, this might be the band you listen to, Skeleton Years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On Spotify, yeah. And uh, I think that's it, yeah. Awesome. Oh, I know you you just mentioned it and I gotta ask. Right, right. I don't mean to pressure you. What uh when you thinking road to endgame, man? Do you have uh <laughs> do you have a target date? I mean, what's I mean, you got Infinity War now and you got the teaser, so I mean it's probably post full trailer, right? Yeah, it's probably gonna be that. I mean, it might be the same time as the same time we put out last year's Infinity War Supercut. So maybe March? I don't know. Do you guys remember us sweating on the trailer last year? We had like all these plans to like launch Marvel News Desk and we were going to do it in combination right. with right. that Supercut. And we're like, as yeah, long yeah. as there's a trailer. And then like every day that passed, we're like, oh crap, this is not going to happen in time. time. It came out like a month, maybe like March, maybe March right. 22. Mar- oh, yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting how that supercuts are going to shape out because I don't think they're going to release anything substantial from Endgame. Right. Yeah. So I think I, I think we're, all we're going to get is like like shots of Cap crying or stuff, stuff like that. <laughs> pe- 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 like people moping in the, in, in the Avengers house, in the Avengers base. I think that sounds like an awesome supercut. Just like the incredibly sad. Yeah, I, I mentioned I mentioned Adam like uh, like a few weeks ago. It might be just you know like a eulogy to the whole thing. Yeah. It's not. It's, it's not gonna be plot related or anything. It's just gonna be just them crying and stuff. Uh, I mean, that's essentially what Endgame's gonna shape up to be. Right. 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 I mean, right. MCU as we know it now, that's essentially over with Endgame, right? Or am I wrong? It's just going to be one big cry fest. Right. I'm just imagining you talked about music. I'm just hearing it now like, 
Everybody hurts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody hurts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. What's uh one more question outside of supercuts? Uh we get through right. Captain Marvel, we get through Endgame. What uh what are you looking forward to most? What do you want to happen as we get into phase four? What I'm looking forward to the most right now is definitely the the Disney Plus series. Like I'm, di- I'm dying to see how that's gonna shape out. Like you guys just mentioned on Slack that, um, you know, they got they got a new writer. They got a showrunner for Vision and Scarlet Witch, and uh, oh, like you guys said, it's it, it might go the the traditional TV writers room route, mm-hmm. which I find so interesting under Kevin Feige, because I, I was sort of expecting him to go, you know, like full prestige, like one one two 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 people handling the whole things, but it, it looks like it might go the uh, might have a writer's room for it. So that, right. I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to uh, how that's going to look look like. Yeah, I think it's going to be a weird shift because, like we've talked about the movies, um, I'm not super excited about 2020, like Black Widow and Eternals. I don't think it'll be bad, but those aren't two properties I've been super excited about. And so it might be a weird thing where the Disney Plus stuff is what I'm more excited about than the movie stuff. So I I, I hope the Eternals ends up being you know okay at the least. All right, Charles, thanks for being with us, man. We really appreciate it, and hopefully we'll see you again. Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, maybe we'll bring you on when the. Uh, we'll also try to bring yeah. you on when the uh, end game. Uh, we could probably bring you on when the end game um, supercut comes out. You can talk a little bit about that process. Okay. Yeah. Sure. 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 Yeah. 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 Okay. All right, man. Thanks. Take care. It's time for us to look at Punisher. Uh, officially, the embargo has lifted. Punisher releases this Friday, the 18th, uh, on Netflix, as per usual at, you know, whatever, midnight uh, Pacific time. And uh, we wanted to give you guys our review of it. If you want to see a more thorough review, uh, I believe Rhiannon did that for us. And that's up on the YouTube channel, should be by the time this releases. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about it as a group. I think we're all in different places. Have you guys both seen it? Yeah, I finished the whole season. I've only done two episodes, so we're definitely keeping this spoiler free for my sake. Also, we wouldn't want to spoil you for something that hasn't released yet. So we will talk generically about this season. Uh, guys, what do you think? How is uh, how's this feel for uh, Frank's most likely last uh, last season on Netflix? Editor's note, while we did keep generically... In the non-spoiler territory, we do mention something that doesn't happen, which I guess can kind of be a spoiler, so even more. I think it was very, I mean, as I said in my review, if people have seen it, or, um, you know, it's a very uneven season. Um, You're in episode two. Episode two, how do you feel? Let's let's just start there. Oh, I like it so far. I don't want to influence your feelings. Yeah, I'm really into it. The first three episodes of the season, I think, are great. I think they do a fantastic job in those first three episodes. Um, And then, like, the next bunch are um, all over the place. You know, they're really struggling. They... It's like they needed a B-plot, they needed more tension, they needed something more, so they have these two different storylines going, and they just don't fit together. All they do is complicate the story and make it uneven. Um, 
but you know there are great moments you know like that like as far as you are that's what like i don't want to ruin it for anybody like those first three episodes are amazing right yeah yeah i agree wholeheartedly it's um it's uneven it's inconsistent um uh, they they swear by this thirteen episode model with the, with the exception of with our guy Raven you know with Iron Fist two the, I I do not know why they um chose to get thirteen episodes I felt personally this wasn't a, a thirteen episode season I think it's another one of those that I I don't even know I don't think less episodes would have made it better I think it is just. I think it was a poor choice of two storylines to go together. It's fundamentally broken. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, I feel, well, I mean, okay. So, so I mean, from the preview, I mean, and stuff that they've put out, there is the storyline with the religious fundamentalists of some sort. And there's the storyline with Jigsaw. You know, you're... There's nothing that brings the two together other than the fact that Frank Castle is involved with both. Right. And maybe there is. I mean, I freely there, No, there, they are that. completely separate stories that probably would have been better for different seasons or different parts of the season, I guess, instead of running concurrently throughout the duration of the season. Um, and maybe it's a spoiler for me to say that they don't come together. Maybe that should be cut. But yeah, I'll maybe. put a warning on the front. It's of it. not really spoiling. <laughs> Sorry, it's I, you know, um, I mean, it starts on a high note, and I think it ends on a very high note. Um, I, I really enjoyed the ending, how how everything went. So uh, it's, and that's the thing when it comes to binge watching. You know, I, I try to weigh the: is this so exhausting because I'm watching so much of it at once, or is it actually exhausting if I would watch it? week to week, like a weekly release. Um, uh, again, I think the 13 episodes is too long. Um, it certainly would have uh, not drug things out for three extra episodes, you know, should they went with 10 episodes or so. And I think the irony of that is we've heard that one of the, you know, it was in the Hollywood Reporter or whoever when they canceled Daredevil. They said one of the reasons these shows got canceled is because Netflix came to them and said, can we reduce the episode orders? Can we spend less money on this and still do it? And what the report said was that Marvel TV held to their guns and said, nope, we've been doing these as 13 episodes. We got to keep doing them as 13. And Netflix was trying to save Marvel from itself. Like, that's not just an economic thing. I'm sure that's the way Marvel processed it. But that was a creative thing that would have helped them, too, you know? See, but I'm telling you, like, 10 episodes wouldn't make these two storylines congruent. Yeah, that's true, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, the, my whole issue with the season isn't the number of episodes. My whole issue is the two storylines that don't. Right, but I mean, if you cut out three of those middle episodes that you probably don't even need to watch anyways, I, I mean, at least it would have made it shorter, maybe something, you know. Okay, sure i would have watched last episodes of two storylines yeah i mean yes i guess it might be they don't really meet no but i mean frank's involved heavily in both of them and we definitely see it i guess especially in terms of character development 
Um, okay, I'm going to make a very bold claim, and you guys tell me if I'm right or wrong, all right? John Bernthal is to the Punisher as RDJ is to Iron Man. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Sure. As I watched, even the two, just the two I've watched, they have honed this character better than any TV show has honed. I mean, only Phil Coulson is even remotely in the same ballpark as far as they know who this character is. He's got mannerisms and voice, and he does things that seem wildly dis- like his actions in the first two episodes. There's times where he does things that look him, make him seem a little bit like a monster, but you understand Frank's own twisted internal logic so deeply that like this character, I mean, I would, I'll see a new daredevil before I'll see a new punisher. Like this is just so quintessentially punisher to me in my mind now. Right. And that, I mean, watching that, I'm like, I, I really can't, picture anything as punisher the end of the season i'm like this is exactly what i would guess as a punisher and and disclaimer i i i haven't even read the garth ennis max run or anything like that so i'm not a huge punisher fan it's just this is essentially what i guess i would have expected from the punisher um but yeah bernthal's great man Bernthal really is. And that's maybe one thing that my review probably lacked was was going into how great Bernthal is um, with the character. Because this character is so hard to be human and also be the Punisher, right? Like what the Punisher does is inherently inhuman to most of us that you would possibly kill people so easily. And so how they balance that is pretty amazing. Uh, my wife did comment during the first fight scene. She's like, why does he make those weird grunting noises? And now I can't yeah. stop hearing it. Just the. Oh. No, no. Like, <laughs> I feel like that is the worst in the first episode. It's like in the first episode, you have. You have Frank or Pete, um, you know, like there and he's like a normal human. And then there's a fight and it's like, I have become Punisher. And he goes into this Punisher voice. And it's like in the first episode, he's gone so long without using it or something that he just, yeah, it's like when Caleb turns on his special voices and, but he just like turns it on and he can't figure out how to turn it off. And it's that first episode, it's so much of that where it's just like, he turns on this gruff growling and it just never cuts off like the episode even like as it's ending that one he's still just like for the fun of it just it it was the most hilarious thing to me it's kind of like christian bale batman voice you know where like he's like hello i'm bruce wayne i'm batman you know like it's just like so distinctly different and I guess I don't need Punisher voice. It, it, it's not that bad. I, I, if I if she hadn't said it, I wouldn't have noticed it. But oh. She was so distracted by it. I am so with her because it so distracted me too. And I even like because I watched the first episode and then I stepped away and you know like I gave some time in the watching the episodes. And I was like, God, I can't go back and watch twelve episodes of this voice. Just like I don't know. Yeah, it's particularly bad in those early episodes. I feel like we can't really say too much about the plot. I mean, there's some bad people that want to do something bad and Punisher's trying to stop them. I think, uh, well, I think we can talk about this cause this is in the description of the Netflix show. 
uh, I saw on Twitter, I think Charles, uh, the video editor was like, uh, so the description of the show says that he's trying to grasp grapple with whether he wants to be the Punisher or not. Haven't we had 26 episodes already of him deciding if he wants to be the Punisher? And sure enough, like this episode, one of these times would be great if one of these, ne- well, it never happened now. One of the Netflix shows started with the hero actually wanting to be a hero. We've had Daredevil in and out of his suit five million times. Punisher has created and thrown away and created his skull costume so many times. Luke Cage and Iron Fist spent half of their seasons like, oh, I don't know if I want to be a hero and be in the public eye. Like, this Netflix trope of our heroes don't want to be heroes is so exhausting at this point. Like, I kind of would like this season to open up. And he's like, yeah, I'm the Punisher. I drive around in a van. I kill people. And I've got a skull on my chest. Instead of having to, like, ease him back into it for a third time. So I I think that description makes a lot more sense having seen the full season. Um, I don't think it's a matter of if he is the Punisher. I think it's a matter of why he's the Punisher that he's battling with or how. I think there's, yeah, I think there's about it. Well, and I think that's, I mean, like without giving anything away from the season, I think that's a superhero trope or maybe a vigilante trope. Yeah, like the little subgenre of superheroes that are your street level heroes. I don't know. I mean, when I watched like Zorro as a kid, it was the same thing. You know, am I supposed to be this masked fighter or am I, you know, the calm, quiet, whatever? I feel like that's sort of a a tr- it's a trope for the superhero genre, but like you need conflict of some sort and to give that character their inner conflict. I mean, it happens in the comics too. I mean, have y'all been reading man without fear? I know Caleb hasn't cause it'll be six months. Oh, but <laughs> oh no, you're still reading that. Yeah. I read Ooh. issue two this morning. Adam's not into okay. it. Okay. No way. Man. <laughs> He's not no into it. Way. He's not into it ever since I described it as emo fan fiction. It's perfect. That's exa- It's like they took the book from Tumblr. I'm pretty sure the whole creative <laughs> team's from Tumblr. Yeah, but I read but, all that emo fanfic, so, you know. Right. That's the perfect description. I'm like, that is exactly what it is. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say, probably, if I can put it better, is, like, we've had in the in the movie comic world, like, we started with Brian Singer's X-Men. Ooh, Brian Singer. But anyways, we started with those guys, and it was all, like, the black leather suits and, like, you could be a superhero, but you couldn't really be superhero-y. You had to have like more grounded, down-to-earth costumes. And it felt feels like at the movie level, particularly with Infinity War, we've outgrown that. Where people are like, yeah, they wear costumes. It's cool. It's comic books. Whatever. And Netflix is still in this like weird 2005 place where they just feel like they're embarrassed to put their characters in costumes. Like Iron Fist never got there. Luke Cage and Jessica Jones is kind of okay. Daredevil, they... Season three, we never got back to it, you know. But Daredevil like, had a whole season in the costume. Yeah, a whole one season. out of three. Well, yeah. See, I, I don't know. Well, I just, I mean, would like to see them in their costumes. I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm a comic book yeah. guy. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. the The description bothered me because it made it seem like the whole season was about him deciding if he was going to be the Punisher which I think is inaccurate 
I think, you know, I think there is a subplot at one point where he questions his role as the Punisher, but I I don't think the whole season is about that. And I think it's a very bad description because because you have had... I mean, that's one of the things that's great about the Punisher is while he doubts many things, he doesn't usually doubt that he should kill people. I mean, from day one, our intro to him in Daredevil was him killing a bunch of people because he knew that was what had to be done. You know, throughout all of season one of the Punisher, he was like, this is what I do, you know, you can't do it, so I'll do it. That's one thing about the Punisher is that he's always certain who he is. So seeing that description of the series really did bother me. Also, they do tweak with his origin story yet a little bit more in season three. Ugh. I'm not excited about that. <laughs> like, I really, at this point, I'm not sure if the guy got shot in the head, which I feel was a major part of his creation story in Daredevil. Yeah. Um, let's talk, I guess one other thing we can talk about, let's talk a little bit about the action. I have not seen a ton of action scenes. I've kind of seen two, you know, one per episode. I've been really happy with them. I feel like they're very good, intense. Uh, they have that brutality and they're like, oh, moments that you kind of want to have, I guess, in a Punisher show. Um, any thoughts on just what you saw as far as action fights, all that kind of stuff? Uh, there's... A few really good ones at the end. There's some that made me feel like I was watching a modern day gunslinger western type um, show. Just like good shootouts. Like calling people out in the street. Shootouts type thing. And I think that's a good thing to mention as far as tone. I mean, this is appropriate for this kind of review. Um, There's a different tone to the season. I mean, for what I've seen... It's a little more like no country for old men than it is like enemy of the state or like the CIA thriller, right? Like it does have kind of like a neo-Western feel to it. For now. For now. Yeah. Okay. Well, early on. Remember, we said inconsistent. I'm telling yes. you, man, that, that place where you are, those, those first couple of episodes, if they had taken just Pete Castiglione in Midwestern America... It made this a show about him struggling with being a veteran and, you know, but but being the defender of people that can't shoot their enemies in the head. and made it a show on FX that had nothing to do with Marvel. That still would have been an awesome show. Like, there's an awesome original character there. But he's the Punisher, and they had to move those story arcs together. And the show changes yeah fight what it's it do we i mean they're not really fight scenes or stunts well that's what i was about to say you know i was thinking that too they're not it's like it's not getting a stunts emmy it's not there's i mean there's one i mean there's one gunfight that is so unique it's a sequence it's not a one take spoiler alert it's not a one take by any means but I don't want to say, obviously it's not better than the Daredevil 3 prison one take, but I mean, it's kind of sort of a minor league team to that of sorts. It's kind of adjacent to that. I have no idea what um, you're talking about, but sure. What, what I like about what I've seen is it has that Daredevil thing where people get tired, but people aren't like, you know how in some movies, like they punch them once and they're knocked out and they fall down. 
in this show, they get back up and like, there's this like sense of real time and real effort and real energy. And you can see them fatigue and you can see Frank like slowly loses stamina as he fight, like all of that kind of stuff they've carried over from daredevil. And I think in a really good way. Definitely. Definitely. And it's interesting that, like, in a gunfight where you think, like, all it is is, like, being somewhere and shooting, but they they still have some running around and shooting to lose, to get fatigued. and. So, and I guess that, and the good thing is, if, if, big I, big F, if there was one show that would get renewed on Netflix, it would probably be Punisher. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I've been joking. I, yeah. I've been my, you know, because you guys know I have friends that are heavily involved in that renewed Daredevil campaign. And I'm like, you guys have to emotionally prepare for them to renew this show. Because I wouldn't be surprised. It's just, it's such an easier show to produce because Punisher is effectively not a superhero. Like, I don't know, maybe we'll get angry letters about that. But, like, you know, he's a guy that shoots... Gu- I mean, the difference between Punisher and Jack Ryan is not that significant. And so it allows them to... It's just an easier thing, I think, to execute than a guy in a red suit with horns swinging around on a billy club fighting ninjas, you know? Yeah, but the only thing that leans me towards they're not getting this renewed is... Do we even have a... Tra- so we're recording this on January 9th. So that's nine days from the release. Do we have a full trailer? No, it's coming to you tomorrow. tomorrow. Oh. So, yeah. So three days ago it came out. Yeah, so three days ago. Uh, as you're hearing yes. this. Yeah. <laughs> For the people who got confused by the time travel there, as you're listening but to this, it came out But as we're recording this, I mean, like, it's at the point where we're recording our review... And there's not even a trailer for this. Like, we're having trouble putting together our video for the review because there's no footage to use of Punisher Season 2. But that, I mean, that has been par for the course with this last batch of shows, right? I mean, Daredevil and Iron Fist both came out a week beforehand. I mean, Daredevil had those bizarre promo 24 Jack Bauer swinging light promo things. But like not a legit. Did Daredevil ever trailer. even have a trailer? I think the big point is. Or was it all yes, teasers? no. I mean, the yeah. point is it's over. Yeah. They're 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 burying this stuff. They're ready to be done. I actually have an article. I have a essay I've written up about why we shouldn't blame Netflix for that. So maybe I should put that on the website at some point. On that but. note, the um, it did Netflix did like when I logged in one of the last times because I canceled my account, it came up with Infinity War like. One of the, one oh, of the they're pushing things. Infinity War super hard now. Yeah. After that I don't get, initial oh. fallout and stuff. I'm seeing it everywhere. I would like to read your That's Netflix weird. essay, Caleb. Because, I mean, I, I, I might be okay. in the boat of uh, almost Netflix did nothing wrong of sorts. Yeah, I have a whole metaphor. It's like a person that owns a flower shop and they're Netflix. And Disney is the flower supplier. Anyways, <laughs> I, I, maybe we'll maybe that we'll drop like a... it. We'll, we'll show you. All right, we've got to wrap. What was that, that Rihanna? Sounds like a metaphor that might need some work, but I will give it a chance. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll let you see it. All right, we're gonna have to wrap this up and move on to our next deal. 
All right, we are here with Emmy Walker. If you are listening to the podcast, you know him best as Gorgon from Marvels and Humans. Emmy, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I cannot complain. Got through the holidays and uh, kind of on the grind now, you know? Hey, are we all? Right. So let's, first and foremost, let's, uh, I want to touch on a couple of things tonight. Uh, right. might as well, right off the bat, let's talk about Inhumans. Okay, um, we can do that. Let's, uh, I mean, it's been, it's now been over a year since it's aired, so obviously we don't need to worry about spoilers or anything like that. Um, yeah. And, uh, I mean, do you recall, you know, what was your favorite moment on set? What was the most fun you had while filming the show? What was the, uh, kind of the highlight of your time on set as Gorgon? I think... I have a lot of highlights uh, from the project. Um, first off, I'd have to just talk about the cast because the cast for me was hands down the best experience. Um, you know, we're all still friends today. You know, we still keep in contact. I actually was hanging out with Ellen, who played Luis today. Um, you know, we're, the best thing is always for me the cast and the, the friendships that you make uh, on any project that you are on, and especially on this one, because everyone was so talented and just so giving and had such an amazing heart. Um, and second off, uh, I I, some of my favorite moments were, you know, you're in Hawaii for four months um, on an island, which is just, just it's a paradise, um, which which not a lot of people get to say that they can do. Um, it's that was, that was another highlight. Just There's many experiences just exploring the islands. Uh, and then, you know, third, of course, was being able to play uh, a childhood dream of mine of being and playing a superhero. Uh, that's actually the reason why I got into acting in the first place was after seeing The Matrix, and I was like, I want to do that. And really following in in regards to everything that Marvel is doing, just really playing Gorgon and especially the type of that was such a huge highlight Right. So you said, uh, obviously you spent four months in Hawaii. Um, there's quite the camaraderie between the cast members. Who, if you had to choose one, you can only choose one. Who is the, by and large, the funniest member on cast? You can't say yourself. <laughs> the funniest member on cast? Funniest, yes. Uh, that's so tough to say. Serena would always do puns on set. She would always have these, like, I'd almost say they're almost like dad jokes. That okay. she'd always try to keep you on your toes in regards to your character. She'd be like, she'd be looking at, you know, Mike Moe, who played Trey, and she's like, I'm feeling a little green. And you, like, look over with the camera, and you see that she's, you know, looking over at Mike Moe in makeup and all green. And, uh, she would say the most jokes on set. Okay. And then of course you have Ellen who is just a huge you know your bundle of energy and is always just so lighthearted and always making, you know, quirky and, you know, snap remarks, uh, which were always funny, which was always cool. Right. So again back to the four months thing. That the, I mean, Inhumans was only eight episodes, right? So four months doesn't seem like it was I mean, too short of a time frame. I know uh, Roel was previously said in an uh, interview, I guess, that he was brought on because Marvel wanted 
someone, quote, to do it cheap and fast, end quote. Um, I guess as a member of the cast, at any point, did you feel like you were rushed along? Did you feel like, uh, you know, you wanted to kind of take a breather of sorts? Well, I, you know, I'm not going to say that it was, you know, cheap and fast. I think, you know, like with a lot of projects, you know, you are dealing with a fast turnaround. Like we did have, you know, what was it, eight to nine day episodes mm-hmm. uh, filming. And, you know, we had, it was, I would admit, it was a, you know, quick process. Think about it. We started filming in February and the show was out on IMAX in, I think it was August. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was of course you're shooting fast and you're trying to get a lot done. But at the end of the day, it's it's you know, it's like any project. You know, I don't know what other project where you're not, you know, kind of racing against the clock in regards to getting something done in the best way possible. Right. So it's uh, obviously that it's no secret that the show's canceled, but it when I guess I'm not an actor, so I have no idea how this works. I mean, did you kind of had a, uh, have a gut feeling um, either way that you guys were going to get renewed or canceled? Or I guess, when did you ultimately realize you guys wouldn't be coming back for season two? Hmm. Um, you know, you have, you have hints about that, you know, we were, I think with the show, we were facing an uphill battle, especially with stuff. Uh, you know, when the trailer came out and, you know, uh, with other, I think it, it, it was really tough because we had, I think people before the show was even announced, so around the time that it was announced, a lot of people were upset that one, that it wasn't going to be a movie. Right. Or, you know, or the fact that people thought we were replacing X-Men even though we weren't because there's, what you have, you had, um, uh, the Gifted, you had Legion, you had other X-Men style shows and we weren't trying to replace them at all. Um, that we had a lot of, I'd say, negative press even before anything was even shot. So, you know, going against, you know, the budget and how much we had to put into it and in regards to uh, uh, even pre- feedback in the show, we knew that we were facing a little bit of an uphill battle. Uh, mm-hmm. So we kind of, I kind of, I knew before the show got canceled that, that, that that's probably the direction that it was possibly heading. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we got, I think I got the word on the cancellation. I'll be honest, I found out that we were actually canceled. I found out from at the time was my was my friend because she got like a deadline update saying that right. her units had been canceled. So I found out through somebody else that we actually officially got canceled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. If um, I mean, obviously hypothetically speaking, if there were a season two, I mean, I'm not going to say you have to pitch the entire season, but I guess where would you have? wanted Gorgon to end up. Because, I mean, let's face it, he wasn't the most stable of characters towards the end um, of season one, I guess. Where would you have liked to see him end up, I guess? Well, the good thing is, you know, the fans in regards to the show and a lot of 
people. They're actually respectfully really nice to my character. Uh, the feedback was, was really cool, and that was, that was a nice thing. Uh, when the season one ended, I my thoughts and the direction that it was going was, it almost felt like a District 9 on TV. Uh, that's that's where I felt and had the feeling where the storyline was going to go, where you had basically these alien-type creatures who landed on a planet and had to deal with the society of Earth as they had no home to go home to. So it actually felt more of a, a District 9. My character, he went through the transition of having... Uh, the second tier in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it seemed like he could have been doing a process with him and Parnak trying to, you know, deal with my transition while at the same time trying to deal with the transition of being unwanted guests on Earth. Right. And, I mean, that ties into kind of what I wanted to uh, talk about next. Obviously, in canon now, Adelan is on Earth. Um, and then humans are a huge part of the mythos behind Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Had there been at any point, you know, potential crossover talks? I can't say. I did, you know, I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is, you know, so shooting. I don't want to give anything away. I don't, I, I, I guess I could say no comment. Okay. So could you answer whether or not Gorgon is officially done done in live action or is that also a no comment and I, anything regarding to the show because of HF the show that has to be no comment right okay yeah. fair enough um, I mean you've name dropped so far uh, you've name dropped the gifted and legion so you are uh, obviously pretty in tune with superhero shows um, what's the best uh, superhero movie you've watched in the past year 12 months what was the best movies Superhero film you watched in 2018? It's tough, you know. Um, I have a series of, of movies for it, different. Uh, my favorite, I have to say my favorite one so far is I love Thor Ragnarok. Absolutely love it. I watched that movie on repeat. I think it's I think it's changed Marvel in, in its direction about going more comedic. I love that one. Um, I loved, I saw Black Panther in 2018. I like that one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny. It's, I look at Black Panther and I even look at Thor, and they're almost very similar to the storyline of what Inhumans actually was. Um, very, very similar. Uh, but I think my two favorites were, and it came out before I know, was Thor Ragnarok, because I still watch it on repeat, and Black Panther. Okay. Okay. You weren't uh, weren't too hot on Infinity War, or that just wasn't uh, not as good as the other two? Oh, oh, true. Sorry. Infinity War. No, no, no. There wasn't a suggestion, (laughs) by any means. It was just a question. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Infinity War is up there as well. Infinity War... I think the order for me goes Thor Ragnarok is my favorite, then it goes Infinity War, and then Black Panther in that order. Gotcha. So let me ask you this. 
um, we're on the topic of Infinity War. Which, uh, which members of the royal family do you think would have survived the snap? Which members of the royal family would have survived? Yeah. Who got dusted, I should say? You think Gorgon got, got dusted? dusted. Absolutely. Gorgon absolutely got dusted. Absolutely. He got dusted. Um, I think... I think the only one that would have survived was Black Bolt. Okay. I think Karnak... I think Karnak... I'll, I'll do comparisons. I think... Karnak would have been similar to Doctor Strange's fate. I think he would have figured something out and been like, all right, this is the best thing that needs to happen. Uh, Gorgon would have suffered the same fate as the Hulk. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Who else? Black Bolt would have survived. I think Black Bolt would have been on the similar range as Thor. I know it's somewhat different, but I think it would have been on the same level, so he would have survived. Uh, uh, who else? Certainly uh, was Medusa. Medusa, she would have been tested. She would have been tested. Uh, she would have been in the role as like Scarlet Witch in, 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 in that one. And, mm -hmm. and I think that Crystal would have been uh, a mystery you wouldn't have known like you would have seen at the end of Fast Five but you're like did you survive or did you not the Maximus would have been tough he would have been like he would have been like Loki he would have like died at the end right and then I he would have survived he would have he's dead you're, you're gone I'm sorry right and anymore. then probably the big furry companion would have suffered kind of a, a fade and vein of Spider-Man where it's just heart-wrenching and you don't want to see it you know as as who? Lockjaw. Lockjaw would have been the, the Spider-Man of sorts, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. He would have been, I also think he could have been, he would have been like Groot. You would have seen Lockjaw go out like, like baby Groot. And just right. like kind of crying in the audience would have felt sympathy for him. Right. Oh man, what that's a, my, uh, that's my order. Yeah, what a bummer question to end on. That was, <laughs> that was the, <laughs> the last question I had uh, down. That's kind of a downer. Okay, that's how it is. Uh, what, uh, what future projects you're working on now? So you, uh, I take it you're a L.A. guy, right? I'm an L.A. guy, yeah. I live out in, uh, in L.A. And right now uh, I have a stint on a show called Counterpart on Stars that's going on right now. Um, so far, my character's done three episodes. Uh, have you heard of the show? I have not. I'm not a huge Stars watcher, but I suppose okay. I can definitely check it out. Fill it in uh, for, for myself and viewers who don't know what the heck it's about. Yeah, Stars, um, let's see, Counterpart is with J.K. Simmons. Uh, it's basically, uh, it takes place in Berlin. And basically, Counterpart, what happens is, uh, it's a show that's like a spy espionage type thriller, and basically takes place in Berlin and then about what happened about 30 years ago. I think it was about 30 years ago. Our world got duplicated, and when the world got duplicated, it created your counterpart, meaning your other, in a uh, different. I don't know. I wouldn't say dimension. It's the same world, but just duplicated. And basically, this government agency discovered that there was a crossing that goes from one side to the other. 
and about uh, yeah, about I think same thirty years ago around there. What happens is that there is a big flu that wipes up a large percentage of the other side, and basically the other side believes that the other that our side did it. They send them over, uh, basically these uh, sleepers to come over to the other side, replace the the other, and kind of wipe them out in this kind of terrorist organization. Um, and my character, so far, plays is on the other side. And he's like a high-level uh, enigmatic fixer uh, that works for the government agency of the other. Very nice. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. So you're season two, right? It's a multiple season deal, and you so you you joined the cast in season two, right? Exactly. I'm uh, season two so far. The uh, character's been in episode five, and the character's been the first. has been in three of them. Uh, and there's more to come. And then I also did a show on Netflix called On My Block um, as well. And, and then after that, uh, you know, there's a, a second season too. But can't give away anything on that as well. Right. Because it hasn't come out yet. Awesome. Well, hey, listen, um, that is all I have for you now. Thanks for joining us. This is awesome. You were uh one of the first people we interviewed the first time around, so we're kind of tying it back in with our 100th episode here. So oh. it's a nice little uh, throwback, so thanks for joining us. Absolutely, congrats again on the 100th episode as well. Let's do a real simplified mailbag. Uh, we did get some great uh, stuff from Uberku, I think. Let me pull this up. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Listen <laughs> listening to our first episode and all its static glory. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was kind of cool that they did that. Uh, oh, Uberku did say special request for the hundredth episode. Caleb has to do evil Mickey mouse. Uh, so I'll have to think, uh, something about what to say about that. Um, why would it be so bad to incorporate the Fox actors and MCU? Uh, how could that story play out? Uh, I would say the main reason that Disney would not take the Fox actors is they're too expensive. We're not paying <laughs> that kind of money for you, freaking Jackman. That is what Mickey Mouse would say to that. So uh, there you go. And I, I, I imagine, like, even though they own Fox, there's probably some sort of there's probably something budgeting, you know, like with the with the contracts and everything already in place. But uh, yeah, Feige wants his own. He wants his own. Several people are also saying, Rhiannon, that they want this to be a musical episode. I know. So, I know. Adam, do you have any songs that you want, you want to sing for us while I look up? Um, do you guys want me to rap Venom by Eminem? <laughs> I feel like we've done that, but yeah, go I ahead. Think, uh, I think we've done that, too. We didn't even talk. That wasn't even in the news, either. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot Venom existed again. Go ahead. <laughs> talk about that Venom one. Venom, too. Venom it's 2, happening. written by the Fifty Shades of Grey writer. Seriously? Oh, you're joking. So Please exactly. tell me that's a lie. No, it's not a lie at all. I think it's Fifty Shades Freed. Maybe. Oh, jeez. But she was also, I mean, she was part of the screenwriters for the first one as well. But, it, I mean, yeah. they do say Carnage is going to be the villain. So, I, I mean, that has excited me too because I do think Woody Harrelson would be very good as Cletus Cassidy. 
Without the wig, of course. I think they could do without the wig. Yeah, that wig. That wig needs to go. Um, I want to know why our readers think we might be able to sing. Like, have we given, um, or listeners, sorry. Why are our listeners, like, have we broken into music? I I feel like I might have sang once, and it should have been a warning that we never, ever should have a musical episode. (laughs) I would think so. Or is it because Adam thought he had never seen a musical? All right, I found the the, the tweets. Uh, It was in our personal, not the Marvel News desk. That's why I I struggled with it. Uh, so question one from Uberku, what would you three say to yourselves from that pilot episode or even earlier about uh, what we know and what's to come? Could you believe your future self? So like if you told somebody about this, I don't know, about Marvel News Desk or about the MCU, if we went back in time to that first episode, what would you say? And do you think anyone would uh, would we believe ourselves if we said it? So, so I pictured this when we recorded that pilot episode, I think I was sitting in my kitchen in Bloomington, Illinois at the time. And I pictured future Adam popping in and just hurriedly saying Disney bought Fox and then popping straight out, leaving my past self, like probably would have led me to an existential crisis of sorts. I mean, even when we were recording that pilot episode, that wasn't even in the realm of possibility. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I think I was sitting in the floor of a hotel room and not even like a nice hotel room at the time. Like, I mean, we've recorded podcasts. I've been sitting at five star resorts, but I, I so much about what have I, I've enjoyed has been the surprises. Um, that I, don't, I still don't know what I, I think I would just pop in the room and go, don't spend money on inhumans. Then, <laughs> 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 you know, oh. that's it. Yeah, I think on the podcast side, um, like we haven't had too much of this, but like I did have someone that I knew in real life that didn't know I did this that came up to me one day and was like, hey, do you do a podcast? Because I was just listening to this thing this today and I think it was you. I would have never guess that we would have had broad enough listenership that that would have happened so i I know i know uh so that's cool i have zero issues like i don't have to worry about that because iowa probably won't learn about podcasts for another three years maybe (laughs) (laughs) but i think little stuff too like the comic cons the interviewing you know like when we got to interviews like brewski and and some others uh and emmy you know like that that i don't think i would have thought of when we first did it um you know and that's what i tried to think like i tried to think if i would go back and give myself advice like before that first san diego comic-con and i mean there was a lot of stuff i didn't know going there but i still got to go to like the defenders thing that netflix had and like it still turned out great i don't know that i would spoil myself on any of that it's crazy what i mean even just this podcast has led to i mean we've done this for a hundred episodes that's crazy and i could probably tease this but we will have our first movie guest on the pod sometime reasonably soon dun 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 you can let that i just got an email confirming so oh yes it's (sighs) Just I, hope the I hope it's already. Oh, 
Chris Evans? It's not RDJ or Chris Evans, but it is from a very good property. So uh, that'll be a good one. No, um, it is actually Penn Jones. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> is, he, is he gonna spin us a new intro? Oh. Uh, he's got good taste in vinyl. Um, uh, but it's crazy. The thing I I mean, podcasting, you know, we sit here and dissect it as as much as possible. And I, I think it's almost made me become a better fan of the the properties like comics and stuff. I, I I thought I would get tired of it, but I I mean I still loved Infinity War. I still love comic books and all that stuff. Things can cr- change crazily. I mean we've seen that with Disney and Fox. You know things, impossible things can happen. I guess we've seen it with the cancellation of Daredevil and Luke Cage. You know everything's not for certain. So in this day and age, you know it's almost as if. Most theories are totally plausible. I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season 24 is still like, I mean, I, I think there are no certainties, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. getting renewed over and over is. If there's one movie thing that surprised me or like like entertainment thing, I don't think I would have believed they're making an Eternals movie. Like I didn't believe right. it when it got announced. That's the one that really, that and Shang-Chi, it just shows me how wild they're going. I, I I just didn't guess that they would go that far into the to the catalog. So, would you go back and tell yourself about James Gunn? I wouldn't believe it. I don't. I don't think. And that's the thing. I, I joked about it in Slack. I, I joked about it with you guys, and then even then, just weeks before it happened, that still seemed like an impossible. You, know, you should good. have gone back in time and told Adam in the past to tell James Gunn to delete those tweets. Oh, I should. Yeah. I would have done that in a heartbeat. I would have done whatever I could. Said James, go. Oh, speaking of which, someone on my Facebook just started. I don't know who the dude is. He started a business that will go through your social profiles and scrub any questionable posts. On my more my real name, like I have another Twitter that I never update. But I have a program on that that just automatically deletes all tweets after 60 days. So just there's nothing old on there. Um, to get back and tell yourself about James Gunn, you'd probably have to explain to yourself that Trump is president. Ooh. Which would be, you know, a harder explanation. <laughs> Sorry, folks. We went slightly political for just <laughs> not, a minute. Not okay? kind of, just, just some gut reactions there. Sorry. No, I'm not upset with you. I just, there's undoubtedly one or two listeners be like, come on, guys. But yes, that's just a visceral response from three. Listen, past Adam, 2018 is kind of like the wild, wild west. So just breathe slow. (laughs) All right, what's going to happen? Let's hit these other questions. Uh, Question two, Rhiannon, which Twitter handle has been your favorite? I, you know, I have to say a shot of Patron. It's much, I, I don't love Brooklyn MND to say it. Um, I don't feel like myself with a pseudonym. I don't know. There might be future changes. We'll see. I don't have any ideas. Uh, question three was for me. Uh, Caleb, if you could do a podcast as a full career, would you? And what other topics would you like to cover? I don't think I'd do it as a full career. Like, I don't know if we've talked about this on the pod. Uh, Rhiannon and I have said that we don't totally have an interest in doing this as a job because we like the jobs that we already have. I think that's fair. I don't know that's the case for me. Yeah. Um, 
And so I, I don't think I would do it. Uh, there are other things that I'd be interested in podcasting about. Uh, as you guys maybe know, like I'm a minister as my job, uh, doing more MCU and spirituality stuff is something I would find interesting. There's some guys that do a podcast called the gospel according to Marvel. That's all like that, like spiritual and theological overtones to Marvel movies. So I'd like to do that a little bit. Uh, my other thing is rugby. Um, I just feel like there's not enough American rugby stuff out there. I have always fancied myself that I could be a great color analyst as far as like combining uh, my knowledge of rugby with the American sports interests to like help people uh, migrate over. So uh, I think I would probably do a rugby podcast. I did blog about that back in the day. So one day, maybe like our 200th episode, I can tell you about that one season I played rugby in college. What? what? Yeah. Wow. This is. Yeah. Yeah. Revelations drop. She doesn't like usual suspects and she will play rugby. All sorts of things coming up. One season, one season. And then there was a clear moment, spoiler alert, standing on the field and the ball came towards me. And I like had this clear as day, like standing on the field where I'm like, I pick up the that ball, that ball right there. I pick up that ball. All of those women are going to run <laughs> at me. There's no way for this to end. I'm not fast enough to like run past them or through them or around them or anything. They're going to run at me and somebody's going to hit me and it's going to hurt. And I quit. <laughs> and I just like stood on the field and I was just like, I quit. And like, I remember one of my teammates who's still a friend to this day was just like, pick up the ball. Except for <laughs> and I was just like, no, 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 no. I quit. <laughs> it's like that guy from the Buffalo Bills that quit at halftime this year. <laughs> oh, I missed that. Yeah, he went in at halftime and was like, screw it, I'm done. And he just got dressed and went home. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right, yeah. and the last question four was for you, Adam. I know you answered Twitter. Uh, as a professional writer and fan, do you think Iron Fest can truly come back on Disney Plus? Uh, and how would you market it so that people would like it? <laughs> so, so there's a lot of stuff um, in this question. I do want to start off by saying that I believe the Netflix shows that have been canceled are as dead as dead gets. I do not think they will continue on Disney+. Plus. Um, so let's just put that out there. They might go elsewhere, maybe Hulu, maybe FX. Personally, I think they're just done, done. I mean, Daredevil could carry a, easily a trilogy, you know, for, for Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios. Um, so now that the shows are done, I I believe Charles Murphy even said in his interview, you know, he's not sure Marvel TV has characters, you know, per se, as they have in the past. Um, if I were to reintroduce Iron Fist, um, I don't think he, he is a lead role. Um, I barely believed he was on TV anyways. Obviously, um, if they did a Power Man and Iron Fist uh, movie, I, I think that would be great. I think that's somewhat plausible. I mean, at one point they had talked about a, a Luke Cage movie, um, so I had him in there as a supporting role. Um, and then Shang-Chi would be another opportunity to – um, you know, more organically introduce a an Iron Fist to the MCU. Um, 
there is a whole lot of stuff Marvel Studios would have to do should they choose to introduce Iron Fist at some point. Um, namely, yes, I would cast an Asian, um, not Asian American, but I wouldn't cast Fen Jones in the role um, right. for the movie. I, I don't, I don't think that would affect the character whatsoever. Uh, I, I guess I think the biggest thing with Iron Fist is kind of his his Western influence, the affluence, affluence. That's a new word, affluenza, right? <laughs> Um, I think that's a disease, but yeah, I know what you're no, saying. Oh, that's influenza. That's the <laughs> affluenza. That was there was a court case on it. Um, you know, Dan, at the end of the day, if Danny kind of takes his who he is for granted, you know, I think that would make for a good story. It doesn't matter, um, man, woman, white, black, Asian, um, indigenous, you know, all sorts of that stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I th- I would love an Iron Fist movie. Obviously, I just think he's he's a better supporting character, Shang Chi, or a Power Man in Iron Fist type setup. I think they could even do like a Marvel Knights, like take some of the characters that they've used in the Marvel Knights mm-hmm. stuff, and just brand it that way, and it just be a story that maybe starts with Luke Cage and then adds daredevil or moon knight or whatever you know and like slowly they just kind of build this like loose team um in the city that'd be interesting with i mean we've seen a rise in i shouldn't say a rise but i mean black mirror does an excellent job of this anthology type stuff and if we can't get this tales of suspense kaiju type anthology for disney plus where each episode's a different monster you know i think that would be a really nice testing ground of sorts kind of act you know have those act as movie pilots or something of that nature um you know to test it out fan reactions and things like that all right the last question he has this will wrap our episode question five for all of us do you think that you will be here for a 200th episode of marvel news desk i mean as far as i know (laughs) i mean i haven't gone for my annual checkup or anything but right yeah i mean my attitude is uh we do it because it's fun (laughs) you know like if uh if we were going to walk away from it because it didn't make lots of money we would have walked away from it a long time ago but we do it because we enjoy it and i think we enjoy each other so yeah exactly the uh the only goal i'm just gonna level with you guys around the only goal i have in my life currently is to make it to end game (laughs) <laughs> I guess like that's know about? Adam no, 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 not at all. <laughs> no, I'm just kind of almost becoming agoraphobic because I'm like, oh man, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go get hit by a bus and miss Endgame or something. I'm totally buying. I'm buying the first ticket to the first showing I can get because walking through the mall to the theater for Infinity War about broke me. Right. I mean, like, I just was, I was like, la, 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 like, literally sticking my fingers in my ears through them all. So that was not good. And you guys remind me when those tickets are available to buy because, like, I happened to get my Captain Marvel ticket this week. Because somebody, not even like in my normal circle of people talking about these things, talked about they had their ticket. And I was like, oh, crap. Because here, if I don't buy that ticket early, like, I'm going to be at another, like, rinky dink theater with no reclining chairs. Yeah. 
rink eating. So you mean like every cinema in the state of Iowa? <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm in I mean, Iowa. Exactly. I have no like Infinity War. There were twelve people in the theater. I think. So I don't have oh, to worry about it. That's so I, sad. I, I I mean I still pre-buy my tickets, but um, I mean someone's someone's got to make sure the theaters up here, you know, keep the dust off their barcode scanners for the phones i guess that's why i do it so thank you for listening this is the end of the podcast uh you know all the usual things we got a patreon we got a youtube channel follow us in all those places tell your friends about it leave us good uh, reviews tim cox logo on instagram tim v cox alvin theme music at the skull school uh thanks for listening to this we've had a fun time doing 100 and I don't see any reason we won't probably do a hundred more. So uh, thanks for listening to the podcast and you guys have a great week. We'll see you next week.